Welcome to the Helihead Show. This is episode number 22. I am your host, Skids. With me is Gucci. What up, what up? And we've got Yard Sale. What it is. <laughs> and we've got Vince Post. I saw, dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, you guys. Man, another episode. Anybody do any fleet changes? Are we all the same? Mmm. Mmm, uh, that's a no. My Oxy-3's so- gone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that thing's been gone. <laughs> no, kind of. I don't know. Oh, man. Wow. I think we do have some things to talk about, though. But that that might have been the longest-lasting helicopter in Scott Graham's fleet for 2020. Right. <laughs> Two true. weeks max. <laughs> so uh, what's, what's taking this place? Anything? Nothing. Nothing. Oh man. Simplifying. Seven hundreds only. No. I hear you. The, o- the OMP M2 went out the yeah. window. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The logo 200. Yeah. Get it right. <laughs> All right. Well, I tell you what. Let's uh, thank everybody real quickly. For listening, downloading, streaming, however you listen to our show, we certainly do appreciate every single one of you. And uh, of course, guys, we need to um, we need to take a moment of silence here. Uh, Mr. Ron Lunn from uh, Ron's Heli Pros South. Uh, man, I remember I ordered quite a few things from him over the years, but uh, let's just take a quick moment of silence uh, for Ron. All right, so does anybody have some weeks to talk about? Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. Why don't you kick it off, Gucci? All Hit right, it. let's get let's get hot and heavy here. Three bullets this week. I, mm. went, up, I went up one bullet. So I um, finally uh, gave up on the 96, the YS-96 on my Kraken Nitro. Got to fly it uh, this past weekend with the uh, YS-91 SRS. And let me tell you, it actually flew and it stayed in tune. So, nice. success. Yeah. Mike saw it. He was like, man, that sounds pretty is good. That a, <laughs> is that a new one or is that the the 91 that you pulled out of there previously? It's the one that I previously nuked and rebuilt it with brand new sleeve, uh, piston, and ring. So, it kind of, um, it's, it's brand new, more or less. <laughs> nice. So um, yeah, definitely it, it's it stays in tune. It's running rich, yet it was able to do everything I I wanted to do for that day. So just doing braking flights. I have four flights on it so far. Still at two and a half on the needles on each needle, and it was pulling just fine for me. So it's good. Flew the Kraken electric. Uh, that one is not faring so well. So. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's um, so the only thing that didn't uh, change after that crash was the spindle and the main spindle and the main shaft, and it's got a little bit of a wobble um, at you know when it's just kind of hovering. If it's moving, if it's in motion, um, it's actually not bad. It, you know, there's no wobble; it flies just fine. Is whenever you put it in a hover, just let it sit there. After a while, like it's kind of hard to tell if it's the tail. If it's the, the disc, that's kind of 
has a vibration it, I don't know. So the one thing that uh, our grandmaster Todd Dudek uh, gave me as far as feedback, he said, you know, try to do two layers of um, 3M tape. You know, maybe there's a little bit of extra vibration for whatever reason. So, is it but, only uh, at like high head speed, or is it low head speed, or it's 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 in all three modes more oh, okay. or less. Did you change the bearings and the dampeners in the head? Uh, the bearings, yes. The dampeners, no. Okay, I'm just curious. Um, yeah. And then before you do two layers of tape, have you mm-hmm. tried the um, the dampened gyro mount? Not yet, because there's none available that I could find. I actually, let me put this. I looked at two places. I looked at Heli Direct, and I looked at uh, BK Hobbies. They don't have them in stock, and I looked in Vietnam, too. Hmm. So I do need to look at A-Main and see if they might have it, because what I I did make a change. I went from the V1 Kraken mount, uh, Flyballus mount, mm-hmm. if you remember, to the next V2. Which okay. I don't know. It, yeah, so I'm. I think it has to. It, it, I'm not saying that the spindle, the main shaft, it, it might be tweaked just a little bit to where it's kind of inducing a little bit of, you know, vibrations when it's just kind of allowing it to transfer all the way to the flyballs unit. I right. don't know. Right. Well, you also make sure your blades aren't too tight because well, it's usually only yeah. lower head speeds where it, that'll really affect it. But he, sometimes if you yes. up too much. So I did loosen them, and even Todd, he was he asked me that he checked them. He's like, you know, they they seem okay. So mm-hmm. um, my next step really is the two layer tape, three uh, M tape, and then eventually when I can get my hand on one of those dampened uh, version three mounts, I'm gonna I'm just gonna do that. Nice. So good, did those two things, and then I might have bought another heli. Well, oh boy, trade it or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Some funny and it's business. A, yeah, yeah, some some funny business between me and Mike. I'll say that's funny because um, I got rid uh, of a heli. Yeah, what did you get rid of? <laughs> Weird. Well, we'll get into it. Okay. Well, so it will be discussed in a later um, <laughs> later topic on uh, yard sales uh, week. So yeah, I did get a new heli that he's gonna bring up and kind of give us how how it all happened, and um, that's about it. So some flying, some family time, you know, just a little bit of everything. Nice. Yeah. Scott, did you did you do some flying? Uh, like uh, every uh, day. Every day, and I did some crashing. Um, uh, oh. <laughs> so I've been just doing uh, again more orientation stuff and trying to work on some control and and progression. And I thought it would be a good idea to work on getting TikToks lower. So I was doing aileron TikToks um, about maybe six inches from the ground. And, uh, yeah, I, I goofed one of them. I screwed it up, and I drove on the ground, and it, it yeeted itself off to the right, like, at a million miles an hour. It was great. In three pieces. Ooh, sounds like a yard <laughs> sale. Yeah. It's the death of my Kraken. So, uh, luckily, I got two of those, so I flew the back up for the rest of the week. Um, I was supposed to use the orange one to do that challenge, the inverted auto to a table. Um, that was the kind of deal that, remember, Mike posted up to get the Kraken 580 and right. so trying to sweeten the deal a little bit. So, uh, Frank Mortorito signed me up to do an auto to the table. <laughs> so nice. now I now I got to do it with the yellow one, which I don't want to crash. I like that one a lot. <laughs> uh, very cool. Congrats, by the way, uh, Mike, on your 580. So pretty cool. Nice. Yep. He's super pumped. His wife is thrilled. I'm sure. 
<laughs> I wonder if she knows that it involves other stuff too, motor ESC servos. <laughs> right. Yeah, that just cost him a lot more money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than that, um, I've been trying to work on the next version of Full Pool School, which we'll talk about later, uh, making sure awesome. that I got my ducks in a row so I can shoot a video without a rekit. It's always good. <laughs> nice. And other than that, I start my new job when this uh, this show airs, actually, on Monday. Congrats, nice. dude. Yeah, thanks. So the daily flying comes to an end. Not really. I'm seven miles from the field that I normally drive 30 minutes to, Ooh, so... Score. Wow. I'll be flying every day after work as long as it's light out. Ah, oh, you suck. Hell yes. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm pretty stoked about that. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Which field is that, by the way? Is that Waymer? Uh, it's the Charlotte Aero Modelers field. It's the one oh, okay, that, that went to, okay. to film the last full pool school. Yeah. That's a great field. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. Heck, yeah. How All about right. you? What you got, Mike? Uh, so, I had a failure on some electronic stuff. That's not good. In the Goblin Nitro, mm. yeah. So, it when I first powered it up, the throttle servo was bouncing around, getting real jittery. It's like, oh, that's kind of weird. So, I started pushing on the servo plugs to make sure they were all plugged in correctly and seated all the way in, and it went away. It's like, oh, okay, well, it must have just started working its way out. And I do have a piece of tape holding them into the fiberless unit. Um, so it was didn't even cross my mind that it shouldn't have, you know, worked its way out. But I just kind of pushed it on them. It stopped. So I said, all right, well, fire it up and see what happens. So picked it up into a hover, and it started throttle up and down like crazy. It was like, uh, what the heck is going on? So I hit throttle hold, and it proceeds to do a forward flip and lands uh, inverted directly on the head from, like, four or five feet up. Uh, walked over to it, and the throttle servo was jittering around again. So couldn't really figure out what was going on. We started digging into it. Uh, the helicopter was completely fine. It didn't even put a scratch on the tail boom or anything. Nothing got bent, twisted, anything like that. It completely fine. So we started digging into it, and couldn't figure out what was going on i start pulling wires off checking wires make sure nothing's rubbing the frames or anything like that so i take it home and find out that apparently icon had an issue for a little while there with some solder joints on those pins that go into the fiberless unit and i believe i've been a victim of that i haven't got the case apart yet because the screws they use to hold them together are very very tiny and i don't have a driver to get in there with them so i have to go driver shopping <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I'm, I'm assuming that that's what it is because if I put pressure on the top of the case, it goes away. And as soon as I release the pressure, it comes back. Um, and I've plugged multiple servos in there. So I know it's not a wiring or a servo issue. Wow. Uh, so I think, I think I've become a victim of the, the cold solder joint mm. on the board. So, uh, so that one's out of commission, which Kind of brings me into my next thing. Uh, while I had the servos and the wires pulled out of it, I decided that uh, I was going to get rid of the Goblin Nitro. Ah. Uh, I think I gave yes! it a fair shake. I gave it a fair shake. It it flies good. I'm not going to say that it doesn't because it does fly well. It just doesn't have the light floaty feeling that I like. Darren, um, and, Darren in Canada is going to be so mad at you, dude. That's all right. 
I can feel the, how much you care about that sentence. I feel like <laughs> that's all right. I feel like he's uh, he's always mad at us, anyways. Because <laughs> we're we're fake Canadians. Yeah, well, true. So, but yeah, so Gucci is the new owner of the Goblin Nitro. That didn't take long. Mm. How can you pass that up? No, it's a good one, man. But hold on, hold on a second, Mike. So what you're telling me that I I'm, I might see some issues when I go to fly it after the crash? No, I've gone all through it. Everything's okay. good. Yeah, I've looked it over. So everything's good. Hang on. So this was my Goblin Nitro. Mm-hmm. Then it went to you, mm-hmm. and now it's to <laughs> Gucci. So mm-hmm. what you're saying is, is this that it's the Hoblin? Yep. The Hoblin. Ooh, I was going to say the Nitro Ho. <laughs> the Black Nitro Ho. The Niho? Yeah. The Niho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. It's my yeah. backup 700 uh, Nitro. Man, our, our helis get around. Man, I'm telling you. Dave says he thinks we personally fund uh, USPS. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. It's just shipping yep. stuff back and forth. Yeah. I like that, though. Yep. The SAB Black Knight Ho. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So I wasn't I wasn't planning on really getting rid of it that soon, uh, since I had stuff kind of pulled apart on it, and I was looking around. I was waiting for the Protoss Nitro to come back in stock again, and I could not... Uh, I, I thought they were all sold out everywhere. Well, then I found one available on A-Main's website, so... I actually, sorry Shannon, but I went and bought one from A-Main because I'm too uh, too impatient to wait for the next batch to come around. So picked one of those up. It showed up the other day. Got to molest the canopy a little bit, put it back in the box. I haven't got a chance to really dig into it yet and start the build. So hopefully, I'm hoping, my fingers are crossed, that I can get it built set up and test flown on sunday nice wow so we'll see that's some pretty high hopes but we'll see how it goes um i crashed a specter one of the sphincters went in the ground mm. sphincter number one Uh-oh. is no longer with us mm. how bad uh it actually was not that bad so the crash cost without blades was like $41 or something like that for parts. <laughs> kind of silly. So you broke uh, but the tail fin. No, yeah. <laughs> no I, I, I had to order a main shaft, a spindle shaft. Um, what else did I get? Uh, tail boom and the pitch arms, the main blip, main blade grip arms. Okay. For the. I didn't realize you could bend the main shaft on those guys that easy. Well, I don't know if it's bent, to be honest with you. I haven't checked it, but I bought one just because I'm assuming it's bent. Okay. Yeah. Um, it went in pretty hard. I was being silly. So what happened was the, when I was first flying it, I, I got too low, and I actually scared myself and hit throttle hold. Well, then I came out of it and didn't touch the ground and was completely flat, but I was already in throttle hold with no bailout set up. So it proceeded to flop on the ground. Picked it up. It looked good. Picked, put it back in the air. Um, and it was making some pretty, uh, some pretty weird sounds. <laughs> <So> <laughs> something was definitely bent, so I figured, ah, I gotta fix it anyway. So we just kind of gave it the flight of a lifetime <laughs> and proceeded to beat the snot out of it. And I come around, I think I was nose in inverted, and I was 
starting to bring it around and it kind of jumped and i don't know if it was me putting an input in or what i felt like i lost it for a second but i don't know if that's what happened or if something finally gave uh but it hit the ground no throttle hold so uh it hit pretty hard so the the damages weren't too bad but um 40 bucks it's pretty good yeah not not too bad yeah especially being too old for hold (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, I didn't even strip the main gear somehow. Wow. And I still, still saved the main gear, so mm. got lucky. Um, let's see, what else do we got? The Ho Rex is back and ripping. I thought you retired it. No, the Ho Rex. The Ho Rex is the XN. I retired oh. the V1 that I had. Okay, that's okay. right. Yeah, the Ho Rex is the one that I owned, then Dan owned, then Kevin owned, then John right. Deo owned, and everybody owned. <laughs> I even flew that thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you even got five minutes alone with it. Jesus so that's Christ. back up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Got it all oiled up and greasy. That's right. Yep. Mm. I know. I know how you guys do it down there. <laughs> yep, got that back up and going. Uh it's flying good. I gotta do some tuning on the engine, so I crashed it when it was still cold out and the engine <laughs> sounded like like a complete heard so i gotta do some tuning i'll probably put it back to factory settings and just start the tune over because i don't know where i'm at on the needles to be honest with you other than that i just wanted to give a quick shout out to kenny hutton for 3d printing me up some blade grip holders uh yeah for the specters they came out pretty nice um they're pretty sweet because they clip onto the boom like really really hard so you can actually carry the helicopter by the blades like at the tip of the blades really Oh wow! And it doesn't come off the boom, so it's actually pretty nice for carrying it around. Hmm. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. What Skid's been digging into <laughs> these days? So, uh, the Saturday after um, the last show, uh, I went back up to Charlotte, and uh, I wanted to go, you know, play with the cool kids. And um, so I went up there with three helis. I had a Black Thunder 700, I had the Vibe 50, and I had the Gasser. So, um, the Black Thunder, of course, was a a Maiden, and um, so we I put it up, I do what I do, I beat the piss out of it, um, seemed pretty happy, so, you know, a little tuning here and there, but... For the most part, it was pretty happy. Um, flight number two beat the hell out of it again. And then Scott said, you know, hey, why don't you try something lower head speed? And I was like, okay, fine. So put it up for a third time, 1600 head speed. And all of a sudden, in a backward hurricane, I noticed that the head had a bit of a wobble to it. And I was like, okay, this is not right. So I thought, you know, maybe at that time I thought it was tuning. I thought it was just, you know, because it was a lower head speed. I thought maybe it was something going on there. And um, went back around again, came back around, and I noticed it again. Went to go flip over, and all of a sudden one of the blades just started doing the shimmy. where It was just like, you know, in the air. So I actually managed to get to throttle hold. I mean... If I had a cheer button somewhere, I would have a crowd cheering right now. <laughs> and, Yay! Uh, 
There you go. <laughs> so, uh, managed to get to throttle hold and did not break any blades. Uh, but it did do a little bit of damage. Um, uh, and, and truth be told, I know you guys are going to ask, but I ended up putting in about, I don't know, 160 ish dollars, somewhere in there. But it was, I, I ordered extra stuff too. So it's not really fair. Um, I do not need, technically speaking, I didn't need new swash links, but because of the fact that, you know, the pitch link was gone when it landed, and that's that's our suspicion as to why, you know, the the one blade started making a bunch of chattering in the air. I can't believe it didn't whack the boom off. That's what I expected mm-hmm. to happen. Um, it did not do that, though. Um, so the swash links I replaced, the pitch links I replaced, uh, I, I did order a feathering shaft just because um, I, I can't imagine after three flights that the thrust bearings or the dampeners are bad. I'm just gonna, but I am gonna go back through and just kind of rebuild it. So one of the frames did get hit; uh, it did crack up by the motor. So I, you know, bought a new frame half. Uh, one of the skid pipes, you know, I think that's what took the brunt of the crash. Is it actually kind of toe picked the ground with the, the skid first? Uh, the canopy did get a little bit of damage, but I don't care about that. I'm going to fly it. Um, the One of the nylon bolts got hit, too, uh, and broke. But uh, am I forgetting anything, Scott? I mean, it pretty much that no. was uh, maybe one of the frame rail, uh, the battery rail, the you know Kraken rail, because yeah. they had the Kraken stuff in it. Um, but, yeah. So it was I that mean, an event, though? You could have you know put new nylon bolts in it, straightened up the frames, and put a pitch link on it and flown it. Like, it was in pretty good shape. Yeah, you could have made it through an event still. Right. So basically, Scott filled out my notes for me and said that it was a level one McGrady. So <laughs> I'll take that. You know, so uh, pretty cool. I finally got to hold for once. That was pretty amazing. Um, I'm still shocked that you actually got hold. I'm shocked that it didn't cost me over two hundred or three hundred dollars. <laughs> you. You've been practicing, haven't you? <laughs> Sitting you on did the couch say sit on the switches. couch and grab hold, you know, instinctively. Just I don't know. So I did some practicing for you. <laughs> Love it. Uh, the next topic on football school is grab the hold button. <laughs> yeah, Kevin <laughs> sitting on his couch. <laughs> right. You got to do it like a drinking game. You watch TV, and every time they say something like Corona, you grab hold. Right. Oh man, you wear your switch out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, so the Vibe 50 was fun while it lasted. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, well, we've seen the video. I'm not sure if other people have. You probably should post it, Scott, but, yeah. um, so at any rate, uh, still a little bit of engine problems. I, again, these motors have sat for a little while. Um, I did a complete engine swap where I pulled the head off of the the one engine I was running before, uh, the sleeve piston ring conrod out of that same engine, and also the carb, and I put it on to a different 56 that I have, and uh, and it had the better bearings in it. So literally, it should have been like same tuning, you know, same thing. It was just in a different case with a different crank and bearings. So I I figured just as a quick get it done so I can fly it next weekend. That's what I did. I had I had bearings on the way, but they just didn't show up in time. Um, 
But uh, they only lasted a short while, too. It seemed like they started getting, as I'm going to steal Scott's word, but it was it did sound very haggard. Haggard. Zach's word, haggard. Oh, is that That's Zach's a YS yeah. thing, ain't it? That's y- yeah, that's YS speak. So, uh, yeah. Oh, they all sound haggard. Yeah, <laughs> but the the crash was hilarious though. I mean, so it's about two two or three foot tall wheat, and he's flying the thing inverted, and we're yelling at him to hit the hit the weeds, and he goes right over it, and it just sucks right in. Oh, <laughs> it was, yeah. so yeah. so it wasn't an engine problem. It was oh. a wheat beans problem. It yeah, we got a uh, yeah. we got an audio clip here too for it. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes like right into the wheat. It was the most amazing thing ever because, like, I was literally just trying to get like a couple little nicks off the top, you know, have it make some clacking noise. And and honest to God, it was like a magnet turned on, and it just went right on in. Uh, that's when you just drop your radio and go, "Well, your salad has been tossed." That's- <laughs> there was a circle cut out of the wheat uh, from where he hit. I was making crop circles. Yeah. <laughs> So that's hilarious. The funny thing about that is, is we pulled it out of the wheat and set it down. We looked it over and we're like, "Dude, nothing's wrong. Send it." So we did, and it <laughs> flew. Believe it or so not, it was like my weekend. You know, so it flew, but then I started noticing that it was having this problem where uh, elevator felt a little bit uh, unresponsive at times, and uh, so I landed it. And come to find out, it was because some some set screws needed to be tightened onto that shaft that because it has one of those A arm type of deal from the you know like the a good way to describe it would be the N five where it has the shaft through the frame and in the the turn buckle not the turn buckle but the um, uh, bell crank you know horn or whatever whatever it is that part there kind of attaches to the shaft through and once it kind of slips with that set screw you're kind of screwed after that like you you gotta get back in there and, and re-lock tight it whatever so we managed to fix that it actually had two set screws so we we were you know in good shape there i put it back up in the air and and i'm doing stationary flips with it and while it was doing one of the stationary flips it all of a sudden did like a full bore loop and i was like hmm i didn't tell it to do that <laughs> And so, I mean, really, luckily, I was able to get it down. It didn't act weird. I was so shocked. And it, it landed fine. And we noticed that one of the washout arms actually had broken. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I say, problem number one, elevator control is kind of meh. Yeah. So we're going to do some continuous <laughs> elevator flips. <laughs> Is that how you retest it? You're like, I, I guess so. Up. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Somehow we completely lost the, the visual of the the thing being broken, and I was like, okay, well, whatever. But even then, like I noticed too that there was some screws coming out of the swash plate that uh, the pitch links were attached to and stuff. And so I was like, okay, we're done for today. And so I brought it home and went through all that. Here's the funny part: being that it's an old heli, uh, you would think, okay, I'm kind of screwed. Uh, literally went on to eBay. Found the part, ordered it. It was here within four days. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't even bend the fly bar. Yeah, it was not even bent. So uh, I can't believe you're shopping for heli parts on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, pretty amazing. I, it was it was quite entertaining. But I think it's back, ready to go. Um, I I haven't flown it just because I haven't had time. But uh, yeah, the old uh, 
the wheat nitro, you know? <laughs> so. <laughs> so Shaggy, stay out of the wheat. Sorry, I know this is old news for you now, but uh, wheat's bad, okay? Wheat's bad. <laughs> it's um, a bad kind of fiber. Yeah, yeah. It'll definitely get you bound up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, let's move right along here. Uh, gassers. Um, yeah. I'm not so sure I'm digging the gasser. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say during the winter time, holy crap, it pulls like a freaking monster. Everything but does. It was like 95 degrees this day. Yeah, it was oh, so freaking hot. And, and I was like, eh. Like, it's just kind of pulling, not the way I would like it to, but um, I don't know. I, I haven't flown it since. I think I just need to put a little more time in on it. Uh, I was going to put it up for sale, but I'm just, whatever. It's I'm just going to hang on to it. I do need to buy the uh, the tail case, because uh, that definitely has issues. Um, the bearings are kind of sloppy in the, in the rear there, so I'm definitely going to have to get a new tail case. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm too immature to hear sloppy in the rear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, anyway, I'm, I'm going to hang on to it for a little bit. We'll see what happens. But uh, on bigger news. Hey, Mike. I bought, a, I bought a new heli. Did you? Yeah. Are you excited What'd for What did you buy this time? A GMP cricket. No. <laughs> but I almost bought a Raptor 60. Uh, of course huh? you did. Yeah, I was trying to scrounge up pennies, Scott. I I couldn't pull it together in time. I think where, he probably. Where'd already... you find a Raptor sixty for sale? I was gonna steal it from you and Boyce. I was gonna get that one you guys were looking at. That's a fifty, you fool. Or fifty, whatever. Who cares? I don't oh, have a sixty. Totally different helicopter. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. It looks good regardless. It was that Titan SE. Mm. Yeah. To Kevin. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. 60s is, that like the, my... is that the one that's got the wonder bump underneath the canopy? <laughs> the wonder bump? Uh, yeah. They got like that whole other canopy on the bottom of the canopy? No. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, no. 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 No, this one actually looked good. I did it's not buy the that. It's the Raptor 50. Yeah. Mm, okay. The, the regular one. Nothing really changed. But well, the Raptor. Oh, maybe the, yeah, the 90. I'm looking at it right now. The 90 yeah. has the whole big scoop. Yeah, that's the one I like. Air scoop. Yeah. So I have a 60. It's basically the same as a 90. It's just shorter tail, and it's got aluminum side frames, and that's that's my favorite helicopter for nostalgic reasons. There you go. Well, I did order a heli. Uh, put it on pre-order. I am going to be a proud owner of a 580, the electric. No cheering, Mike? No? Nah. <laughs> Thank you for those that did. Uh, and to add... <laughs> To even more punishment for Mike, 580 Nitro. I'm gonna get it. Uh, mm. See, I, I can I can at least have some respect for that one because it's Nitro. Okay, fair. That's fair. Because it's Nitro. I hear you. I, I can I can kind of you know maybe like you know bring into you know like calling you my friend enough maybe <laughs> go out and get a beer once okay. a month. All right, hold on. Let me seal the deal for you. All right. Mm. And that way you'll be consensual. Um, I think I'm going 55 in it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Did we just become best friends? I think we did. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I think so. Um, I, you know, I've been talking to Gucci a lot about this stuff, and I'm just like, you know, I mean, as much as I love the way the 56 pulls, I, it, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to really just rebuild one from the ground up, new, you know, seals, I mean, whatever it it's just i think it needs a whole new rebuild start from from ground zero kind of thing and and then you know try to break it in that way because coming back to them after they've sat for a while i've had nothing but problems so um yeah i think uh just for reliability sake i may go 55 uh in that and then of course play with the 56s and in other things you know whatever but uh and if i get one that's running pretty good and seems to be acting right then i'll you know maybe i'll put that into the 580 later but uh, I definitely want reliability, man. You know, I'm kind of... <laughs> I feel like every time I turn around, I'm like, well, I'll have to wait and go to Charlotte and get Scott to freaking bless this damn thing. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so... Hopefully he brings the Bible and the scarf. Right? <laughs> yeah. What is it? The hand grade of Antioch? I don't know. Throw a little holy <laughs> rotor rage on it. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, uh... So anyway, moving along, uh, I did finally do the full pull school hovering eights. Woohoo! Yeah, and got that on on video for everyone. Uh, not you, Gucci. Not you, Mike. Not you. <sighs> you guys. Yeah, you guys don't love yeah. me. Yeah. I don't think we set up for that. Okay, well, I, I that think... set up for hovering. Uh, I'm, too, I'm too busy s- breaking shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to not break my shit, and you saw my hovering was upright, and that's about it. Mm. Ah, well, even hovering in tail in, you'd have gotten kudos, I think. <laughs> yeah, participation points at least. <laughs> you'd have gotten a participation trophy. No, yeah. I would have got laughed at a thousand times. And it that's wasn't a- in the stratosphere. Todd was amazed that I could hover for more than a second. Why would you like, be laughed at? Yeah. That's the wrong attitude. Like that's, I feel like that's why most people didn't do it because they're like, oh well, I might be shaky in this orientation or that orientation, so I'm not going to do it. But the whole point was to get people to push themselves and yeah. try and try and push their skills and learn a little bit if they maybe skipped a couple sections. And then yeah. when things get more advanced, you know, same thing. If you can't do it, well, you got two weeks to work on it, and you can ask us for tips and information, stuff like that. So, yeah, I want to see people do this stuff. Got to do it. When you get yeah. to TikToks, I'm going to do hovering. I'll be like, uh, this is all I could do. I got nothing else. Uh, I'm you can do TikToks, too. He's saving it up. Well, <laughs> by the way, I totally would have laughed at him. Yeah. Just because he's Gucci. Because <laughs> he deserves it. No, yes. hon- honestly. Look at that goofy-ass heli he's flying. Honestly, <laughs> afterwards, like, after Todd, because Todd came, like, running behind me. He's like, man, this is the longest I've seen you hover. And after I already landed, I'm like, ah, I should have really done the challenge. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. I was more like focused on having a, a helicopter in one piece, especially with a new motor in it. <laughs> well, luckily, we uh, we actually performed time travel here at the Heliad show. So you have two, two or three more days to do it before this airs. All right. Probably do it. Okay. Yeah. I might post it and say, you get 50% from me, the government <laughs> worker. Nice. Well. So here's the funny thing about it is, um, you know, Ben and Doc are such good dudes. Uh, I they were like, why don't you just fly one of our helis? Because obviously the Black Thunder is down. <laughs> I I'm not about to do this with you know uh, the vibe because I'm not sure if I trust it yet. 
and then of course the gasser, you know, I haven't really messed with it since I, you know, messed it with, with Scott. And so I was like, I, I don't have anything. So they were like, listen, we got the 270, we got the 550, we got you know, whatever you want. We, we got what you need. I'm like, okay. So I thought they were going to come over here. We're going to do this stuff in the garage. It's at, as it turned out, I'm glad we didn't. Um, but, uh, so we loaded up at the field on Wednesday and, uh, uh, I started the first flight was the 270 and Scott, you saw that video actually. And, yeah. uh, as soon as I got inverted, uh, it was especially nose, right. All of a sudden I was like, yep, yeah, yeah, I'm done. And I just started doing goof off stuff and started flying around and then came back to practicing a little bit. But so, uh, it's very squirrely. Um, obviously being a small heli, it was a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be, especially because I don't fly small stuff like that. And, um, not that it was bad. It flew pretty good, but again, it wasn't my radio. It wasn't my heli. It's not my settings, the whole nine. You know what I mean? So I'm going to make whatever excuse I can. Uh, so flew that twice actually. And, and in the second time I was like, no, nah, we're just going to let it rip the mistakes I made. That's the whole point of this is to show my weaknesses too. And, uh, and then they convinced me, they were like, why don't you do this on the 500? And I gotta tell you, and we know the story from way long ago, but you know, this freaking Goblin 500s fly damn good. Like they really do. And so I put this thing up to a hover and I was like, holy crap, this thing makes me look like a pro. And, uh, so again, still got nose right you know, on both upright as well as inverted. And for whatever reason, it does drift around a lot more than any other of my other orientations that I do. Um, nose in for what was it? Nose in or was it tail? In? One of those uh, inverted was kind of getting me too, but you know, I was trying to keep it from crashing. That was my biggest fear, but they flew really good. And uh, so I ended up, you know, getting, getting that done. So we finished that video and they're like, okay, listen. Oh, the funny part, I guess, as you guys probably read too, is the fact that uh, the the pack all of a sudden just gave out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna land this because I have no idea what's going on. And so they thought that because it was just stationary and hovering, and it was freaking blistering hot out there, like it was just nasty to the point where I was just like, listen, we're gonna do this in one shot. I'm gonna be a one take person and done. But the 270 turned out a little shaky, and then they hit me with the 500. I was like, okay, I'm doing this one more time. That's it. I don't care what the video looks like. That's the whole point of this. And it was so freaking hot. And um, so all of a sudden, the the motor starts spooling down, and I'm like, oh, crap. So I flipped it back over and landed it, and we took the the uh, you know the heli back over there. They put it on the uh, you know cell checker, whatever it is, and it was like three two point or 3.2 volts. <laughs> wow. So uh, Ben was like, oops, I guess I should have given you a battery that was charged. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so um, <laughs> then they were like, well, listen, you got to fly this thing. Here's a fresh pack. Go beat the shit out of it. And I was like, okay, done. And I freaking just hammer down on this helicopter. And... It was just gnarly. I was, I mean, I was like, let's see how, you know, well the tail holds. And I'm like full pitch, like straight up, <laughs> you know, inverted, coming around a big loop. And of course, I'm using momentum too, going straight back up, full pitch. 
and uh, just just being ugly to this thing. And we brought it down, and literally the battery was the hottest thing in the heli. <laughs> so I completely roasted Doc's battery. So sorry, Doc, but uh, it was a friend. good time. Yeah, no, they. <laughs> And they told me too. They're like, no, these packs are old as you know. They they're a few seasons old, and uh, you know. But I think me and Daniel have messed around with those those glacier packs too, and yeah. they seem to last for a little while. But then all of a sudden, they just kind of the, the slope off is really drastic. Where it's just like when they're done, they're done. It was and, like a couple of months of flying, let's say every weekend, mm-hmm. and after that, they start kind of sausage sausage yeah. fest on those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I got one last thing to add uh, because I told him I would do it. Um, so, uh, more shopping on eBay. I ended up buying a second Vibe 50 airframe, just specifically for parts. And um, and it came in handy, thank goodness, because uh, I actually used the part off of it before I did the one that came in the mail. But luckily, I have you know everything. So, um, But he, this guy named Chris, uh, he's from Knoxville. And... Uh, I told him I give give him a shout out last episode and I didn't because I'm a loser. But uh, thank you, Chris, for hooking me up with that Vibe 50 frame, man. It was awesome. Um, but uh, anyway, just wanted to to say hello and and hope that you listen to the show sometime and uh, and hit us up if you ever come to an event. We'd certainly love to say hello. But uh, that's all I got. Thank you, Jesus. Long winded. Silver. Scott, what's yo? What is hot? Gucci, take it away, baby. <laughs> Let's do it. Scorpion came out with a new ESC, the 12S80 amp. How about that, Tribunus, right? Is that their first time they did an 80 amp 12S? I think so. I think so. Yep. Yeah, um, but it's a, it's a Tribunus V2, or Tribunus 2. Tribunus right? 2. It's a which, whole different... Ball game, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different series. What would you use that for? Does anyone have an idea what you would use an 80 amp 12s setup on mm. 600 600 you think mm-hmm. i guess so Tracking 580 probably. i'm going to yeah 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 as soon yeah. as it comes out yeah. i try it on the 580 sure okay so pretty interesting i think they have one more that's supposed to be released right that they had two identified on their list of uh, escs right. so this is one of them there's one more that looks like it's going to be over 100 amps right because there's well, three question marks or something like that right and the funny thing is too is like this is a pretty sizable esc it's not like your normal hobby wing 100 or 120 amp style esc 6s you know like it's pretty sizable like it's i it makes me wonder if it was more specifically targeting 12s setups which obviously it goes to 12s right but yeah. My point is, 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 is that kind of the range that they were shooting for when they made that ESC, even though it will do 6S? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you mean you mean sizable by, like, physical size. Yes. It's, yes. It's pretty large. It's pretty large. Yeah. Scott, do you think that's because of, you know, being that it's a 12S, that they have to have better, you know, larger cooling surface area? Or is it the internals, um, mm. um, I guess... Yeah, yeah pieces an, an, that make it. An 80 amp at 22 volts is not equivalent to an 80 amp at 50 volts. Yeah, or so there's a lot more volts. heat, I guess you could call it. It's twice the wattage, basically. Yeah. Mm. So components would be larger. Is that what you're you're getting at? Yeah, I think so. That's all. I was, you know, 
so it makes sense that it's it's although it's only 80 amp it's it's got a bigger physical you know dimensions because of being 12s yeah exactly yeah pretty cool so there's that one uh the next one is the how about those uh pictures of the 580 nitro mm. Mm. I think Mike sold his black nitro to me so he could get a 580 nitro. I think that's his <laughs> yeah. So there's that. I'm excited. I think I'm going to get Funny I, mean, man. I, I have everything for it. Mike, you know you're going to fly it. Don't yeah. lie. He's so even if you it. don't I'll, get oh, one. I'll fly it. I'll fly it. <laughs> it's got an OS on it. So you're going to at least you're 50% happy, right? <laughs> yeah. or maybe, maybe a little bit more. You know, you're like 75% yeah, just, sold on it. I'll close my eyes. That way I only have to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord! So that's that. That's one hot thing. Um, the next one that I saw was Kerry uh, uh, posted that he's working on the manual for the gas conversion for the Protos. Nice. So it's getting it's getting hot, you know. Gasters 2020. Uh, let's see. The last, the next, or the next thing is um, I saw Innovative Designs. They were the I guess the distributor of Scorpion before Mikado kind of took over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Innovative Designs um, has a new, uh, a few different uh, small chargers, I guess you could call them. Um, their Toolkit RC, that's their name of it. Um, but they they have a pretty cool 400 watt, 18 amp charger. And it's not only the charger, but it's kind of like the, it's got a cell checker, servo tester, and a signal tester. For like your, um, I think it's for like receivers and stuff like that. So, and it's like marked for like fifty nine ninety nine. Pretty cool, neat little thing. So, I just thought it was interesting that we have this great number of smaller chargers that are coming out, like the ISPs. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. they seem to be taking off. I yeah. know a couple people at our field are building, like. Uh, their charge cases out of those things. They're putting like four of them in their charge case. Yeah. So, I mean, 400 watts is, I guess you could call it, it's not a lot, but you put three of those in a case and they're really small. You're talking like, like six centimeters by like five centimeters. I mean, they're not big charges by any means. So it's pretty neat. Um, and the last thing, somebody added on here, let's get excited for Urcha. Sounds like it's a go. So um, I don't know if uh, some of the other podcasts uh, mentioned this. I'm sure they did. But the MA finally granted the, um, I guess, the location, uh, the MA uh, location to be able to hold Urcha. So they are fully approved to run that event. So pre-registration is open and i think uh, all of us are planning to go as as of right now i think so yep mm. as should everyone else yep so i think it's going to be the best year you think, you think so <laughs> yeah it's going to be less less bullshit it's going to oh. be more time to just fly charge and fly and charge mm-hmm. and you know i think i think it's going to be pretty cool yep nice i agree yeah. So yeah, that's that's all I got. Very cool. Pretty pretty cool things coming out. Yeah, definitely. Exciting. All right. Well, does anybody have anything else to add? I got the full pool school to talk about. Let's do it. Full pool school. Full pool right. school. 
Cool, cool <laughs> school <laughs> number two. <laughs> Old school, new school, what? <laughs> so, uh, if you guys hadn't listened to our last episode where we started a little thing called the Fool Pool School, and the thought behind it is the Heliheads are challenging you guys to complete certain tasks every two weeks that we release when the show releases. You guys shoot a video of you doing the same task with your helicopter, the same maneuver, and then post it up online, either Facebook or Instagram, and tag it with hashtag Fool Pool School. So last week we did um, all eight orientations, upright and inverted, and uh, we had a couple guys participate in it. So we had Brandon Cooper with his Oxy-5. Yeah. Had, uh, yeah. Spencer Stevens, he did it with his 516. And uh, yeah, the video was starring his driver's side format as a <laughs> takeoff pad, which was very creative, very well controlled as well, I got to admit. Uh, Skids borrowed a helicopter and a Jimmy Dean lipo. Yes! <laughs> that Jimmy Dean lipo. It was uh, full McGrady. Yep. Was yeah. it at least maple flavor? Or was it... Oh, man. <laughs> Smoking, whatever that was for sure. <laughs> Smoked. Oh. It was sloppy in the rear end when I was done. Oh, jeez. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Uh, we had Jason Bell did it in his backyard with a Protoss 380. Nice. Uh, Andrew Lax, I think you pronounce his name. Uh, he made it look super easy. Hashtag pro mode with his Kraken 700. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Waddell cheated a little bit. He used the sim, but, you know, it was smooth. It was controlled. It looked good. Nice job. Yeah. He was one of the first ones, I think. Yeah, he was. He was the first person. Yeah. And then Floris Bossman. Um, he made me look sloppy with his Logo 800 on Accuracy. Wow. Nice. And then Javier Marino, I think his name is. Javi! Uh, Javi! Is that, is, that, is that the Javier right there? That's yeah. The mm-hmm. Javier. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Javi. Javi. <laughs> so <laughs> our good friend Javi did it on Instagram. He was the only person to do it on Instagram. Hmm. And uh, I got a... He's, he, he's he, still fighting that Facebook... He doesn't want it. <laughs> he sent us an email, too, actually. Did he? So. Okay. Yep. Nice. Well, he used his, I think it was a Goblin 380 with a stretched boom on it, I believe, because the colors are mismatched. It had, mm-hmm. like, a red boom on a yellow heli. Nice. I was like, nice. Interesting uh, way to change <laughs> it up there. Uh, yeah, so that was cool. We got a lot of participation. Hopefully, we can add uh, Gucci to the list and maybe Mike, Mr. Mm. Yard Sale. That would be mm. something. I would, Doubtful. Uh, <laughs> Greatly appreciate your participation. Um, yeah, thank you to everybody who uh, you know joined in with that. Um, of course, you know, again, as Scott had mentioned before, if you have any questions or you know, like, hey man, you've seen my video, what? How could I fix this or whatever? Man, hit us up. Let us know. Yeah, absolutely. You want to tell me something... that I flew like shit? That's cool <laughs> too. And if you have <laughs> questions about it, I mean, early on here, the maneuvers are more, you know, they're they're fundamental maneuvers, so it's not really like a What's the trick to do it? It really is just practice and practice to get it done right. Mm-hmm. But once we start changing it up and start getting into more complicated maneuvers, then there will be situations where we're going to give tips in the video on how to do it. And if you guys want to contact us too, we can help walk you through stuff. Like let's say you tried it one weekend and something just isn't clicking. Send us a message, send us an email, get in touch with us, and we'll do everything we can to help you guys out. Absolutely. Speaking of that, this week's... Mm. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. 
We are doing figure eights, and we're going to do figure eights with some sort of marker in the center line to try and keep everything centered. If you have multiple markers, do like three markers in a row. You know, uh, take a look at the video and see what we did. Try and replicate the same thing. And that way we can get the position for center line, the left and the right hand side of the figure eights as controlled as you can. But what we're going to do is upright forwards, inverted forwards, backwards upright, and inverted backwards. Whew. Nice. Yeah. And if you don't have a marker, use a friend. <laughs> don't, don't, do not do don't do that. Don't do that. If you don't have a marker, just try and do it, you know, best you can. Yeah. Throw, throw your blade holder out there or something. Yeah, pull a Monty and throw the blade holder out. I can't even say it. Yeah. <laughs> Too many M's in that. So let me recap here. So we're just doing forwards and backwards of directions of their choice, or do you want both directions, meaning eight different orientations? Uh, any direction you want. So some people say figure eights coming towards you. Some people say going away from you. I like to do it going away from myself if I'm doing something I'm new with, if you're not comfortable, just because it's not coming towards you in the center line. Um, honestly, do it either which way. It doesn't matter. Uh, but just do it forwards upright, forwards inverted, and then backwards upright and backwards inverted. So tail forward and nose forward each way. Okay. Yeah, should be should be fun. Cool. I like it. Me too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Challenge. is there anything else? Except <laughs> right. Yeah. Finally, thank you, Gucci. No, no one. Okay. No, no. All okay. right. Well, I tell you what. Let's take a short break. And uh, we'll be right back with our guest. Woohoo! Hey, I'm Mike Sobe, team pilot for Only Fine Helis. I didn't join to just be a part of a team. I joined because I like what the Turner family offers the hobby. The Turner family goes above and beyond to help their customers. Whether you're shopping for kits, blades, or servos, Shannon has you covered. Order online or head out to the mobile hobby shop at a local fun fly. Just make sure it's onlyfinehelis.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. We have a very special guest uh, from the A-Main team, Mr. Paul Andrioli. Welcome to the show, sir. How you doing? Man, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to – we brought Paul on because we wanted to discuss some things about uh, ESCs and tuning and setup. Not so much tuning, I guess, but maybe more setup, the gearing, efficiency – and all these things that pertain to electrics tonight. And uh, anyway, a little get to know. Paul, where are you from, buddy? So I'm from upstate New York uh, in a county called Saratoga. Um, but currently I live in Long Island uh, and work for a robotics company. Awesome. Very cool. And, uh, and you're part of the A-Main team, of course. That's correct. When did you join A-Main? So I joined A-Main, uh, I believe it was in 2016, around OHB time, and uh, never looked back. Uh, love the team, love uh, everything about it. Just have 
fun every time around everyone and uh, love learning new things and helping people out. All right. Perfect. Well, I tell you what, uh, tell us about how you got into flying and uh, just kind of give us a quick background on, you know, what's your story? How did you get involved in all this? So believe it or not, I went uh, to a hobby store and I was playing, uh, believe it or not, Pokemon cards uh, when I was a little kid. (laughs) And uh, and that hobby shop actually had, um, I believe it was Real Flight 2. Uh, They had a demo set up. And I started messing around with the Real Flight every time I'd go to play cards with my brother. Um, And then a gentleman came up to me and he said, uh, wow, you're getting pretty good at that. And uh, he said, do you want to fly an airplane first? I'm like, no, the airplanes are way too easy because uh, <laughs> I moved on to the helicopters and it was way more interesting to me. So then he brought me to the RC field and his uh, son, who was uh, at the time uh, uh, a teenager, um, probably 17, uh, he was flying mild 3D uh, with uh, a T-Rex 600 uh, OG with the fly barless. Yeah, um, nice. You know, and uh, it was amazing, and I was hooked from then from then. And he kind of helped me from then uh, there on out. And then I met a gentleman uh, in the local area uh, who flew scale um and right now that gentleman lives in arkansas his name is stan kapreski and uh he pretty much was my mentor uh in the hobby um uh till i started learning 3d and he pretty much taught me how to fly uh and then after that i had another mentor uh he uh helped me fly uh start flying mile 3d uh his name was chris desane uh, he was in my local area as well when I was growing up, and he was a great help. Uh, and then I started going to events with my father, um, meeting uh, so many great people that I'm still in contact with today. Still see at events uh, such as um, Andrew Merlino, uh, Kyle Stacy, uh, people like that. Um, I've been going to events since 2000 and eight uh, hmm. or uh, seven so I, i've been in the hobby for a little while but not a whole lot <laughs> ah, nice i mean that kyle stacy i mean he's you know he's all right he's all right yeah he's, he's all right <laughs> <laughs> no but kyle and i are really great friends and you know it it's been awesome to know people for that long and share uh, sure. the same love for the hobby it is cool all right well uh I tell you what, give us your creds, man. What, what, who are you sponsored by? Who you got? So, um, I'm sponsored by A Main Hobbies, uh, Expert Servos, uh, VTX Rotor Blades, and um, that's it. Nice, very cool. Well, again, welcome uh, to the show. We appreciate you coming on. And uh, Scott, I tell you what, I want you to take it away and let's let's kick this thing off. Yeah. Oh, I'm All sorry. Right. And and X Nova Motors. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was just trying to text you, and, you right now. You and, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you and both Jason. <laughs> oh man, am I the only one? That Must like, be an A main thing. I'm sorry, it's late. It's been a very long day. <laughs> oh gosh. And Uh-oh. X Nova Motors. Yes. 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 <laughs> All right. Let's get it going. Okay. So, 
Skids already gave us a rundown, kind of what we're going to cover. So let's start with head speed. So yes, for starters, sir. what are you guys running? Personally, I run 2,000, 2,100 around there. I have done both high head speed and low head speed down to, I think I had a Kraken flying at 1,100 at one event. And I had that sucker cranked up to 2,300 before. And, uh, yeah, I find myself real comfortable around 21. Packs come down pretty cool. Everything seems pretty happy. How about you guys? Yeah. I, um, I'm i usually around 13.5 degrees pitch a lot of times, maybe 14. But uh, on my Drake 700, 2,100 was pretty happy. Uh, 2,200 gets a little bit gnarly where it can pop pretty quick. Uh, but 2,100 is usually my home on 700 class anyway. So. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I feel I, like I, a low head speed guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I I really been messing out a lot on the Kraken Electric around sixteen hundred, and the the only thing about it is I get long fl- uh, flight times, mm-hmm. and I run about thirteen to fourteen degrees of pitch at that lower head speed. Wow. So how long is a long flight time? So long. Uh, I could do at sixteen hundred doing just sport flying and maybe some some three D. I'm looking at six and a half minutes to seven minutes. Wow, that's pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm about to blow your guys' minds. <laughs> do All it. Right. So I'm usually head speed wise between seventeen and occasionally twenty one. Usually I, I stick around nineteen fifty two thousand is my happy place. It's okay. a good man right there. But I'm only at about ten and a half, maybe eleven degrees of pitch. What? Really? Do you fly yeah. Raptors? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I, I, uh, I I'm a full resolution guy, so my stick's got to be moving. I can't do the happy little oh, oh, tiny man. centers. Oh. I gotta be, I gotta be that's way out on the end. Why. Take the Nick Lynn approach. Yet you, yeah. you bought every inch of that travel, and you want to use it? Yep. I hit, <laughs> I hit the end of my stick travel all the time. Really? Yeah, ying to my yep. Yang. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, yep, God. and I think I learned, because I did 3D airplanes before this, and I think that's kind of what gave me that, uh, I don't know if it's a bad habit, but that habit. Well, if it came so from airplanes, I, it's definitely a bad yeah, habit. Yeah, this, this is I true. wouldn't say it's a bad habit. It's just a different <laughs> approach, the same outcome. Yeah, so i gotta, I got to adjust to make it feel, or else it gets pretty pretty hairy pretty quick. <laughs> If I get up around like 13, 14 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Paul, what are you running? So on all my machines, whether it's nitro or electric, I run 14 and a half degrees collective um, on everything. Um, and that's because if I need it, uh, I'll, I have it at my disposal. Sure. Um, so on my electric machines... I, uh, if it's the Logo 700, I would run anywhere between, um, 1440, um, 17, excuse me, 1860, and then, uh, 2050 with 717 rotor blades, VTX. And that's the setup that I would have with my Logo 700. With, uh, the Kraken Electric with 717s, I had as my low head speed, um, it was 1650. My mid range head speed was 1950 and my top end head speed was 2250. Um, because oh, wow. the Kraken, uh, has a different drivetrain. 
and uh, a different weight than the logo and a whole different feel. So I felt like I needed more head speed to compensate for the way I wanted the machine to move in the air. Sure. Yeah. I was most I was kind of the same when I tried Logo 700s. I found myself flying around 17, 1800 RPM, and it seemed ample, especially because I was running between 14 and a half and 15 degrees, and that's all that thing needs. It really doesn't need a lot to move. Mm-hmm. And on the Krakens, I'm running the same pitch, but I'm running a little bit higher head speed. It it doesn't feel really happy until I'm at around 19, and then I have enough bite to actually fly the way I want. But I, I think also, too, that what attributes to that is uh, frame design and, um, well, what it's made out of. And on top of that, um, weight placement on the frame and uh, main shaft uh, height has sure. a huge has a huge impact on um, on disc loading um, as well. Um, the, the logo has a very elastic uh, feel due to the. Uh, polymer plastic that it's made out of and uh, you you definitely get flexing which also attributes to why it feels so uh, so smooth because it dampens out all those right yeah um, all of those aspects that you see in a in a carbon uh, traditional helicopter with two uh, side frames which mm. is why people say I love that logo feel um, <laughs> they love they That's love me. that that feel because it's so soft and forgiving mm-hmm. you can even see it in the logs too you get a lot less uh, extreme vibration reports back when you're flying 3d with a logo than other helis interesting yeah so, interesting so what yeah. you're saying is the whole frame is like a dampened mount for the fly bar unit. Yeah. that's correct but you also with that there's trade-offs as well and, yeah and, i mean we can get into that later on if you guys want to okay yeah. We'll have to have well, you back, and <laughs> we'll, we'll do an airframe discussion. Yeah, well, yeah. even this, the Kraken, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, if you can feel it with, with a traditional uh, helicopter side frame design with two different composites, then imagine um, uh, when you have a polymer impregnated metal, uh, like, like a logo uh, airframe uh, with their plastic design it's it, it it gives the whole machine a different feel no they fly nice that's for sure mm-hmm. i agree but the reason we're mentioning that too the head speed fact of it is you know some people love to have an incredibly high head speed and it's a lot more stress on the power setup um versus if you fly a little bit lower head speed your batteries come down cooler esc comes down cooler and uh what is your opinion on possibly making up for a lack of head speed with pitch to try and alleviate the stress on the system? Because when you're pushing the RPM up, you know, past 21, 22, 23, the the strain on the power system grows exponentially. Sure. Is that a question for me, Scott? Yes, sir. <laughs> so I, I I think it's all the it's really dependent on. Um, what blades you are uh, using on your machine as well as uh, machine weight. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it all dict- it's all dictated uh, based off of uh, your your power source and just the sheer weight of the aircraft and the disc loading. So um, and also how you would like to fly the machine. You know, I went back to 
the nitro I, I run more on the mid-range of the engine it's it's kind of similar in the in, in the aspect with an electric uh helicopter how do you fly the machine you can get an electric helicopter to bog i can mm-hmm. get an electric helicopter to bog you've seen me do it with with vtx 717s with an x nova motor that is more than powerful enough yeah um to deal with the loads from from uh, the rotor disc and the drivetrain, um, but uh, I, I think it's more it more comes down to style in in how you how you fly the machine. Um, if you are into big air, um, you know, then maybe you want something that is a more of a hot. Uh, if you're into uh, rapid movement on the deck and and very fast uh, slick transitions, maybe you want a lower torque uh, motor. And uh, and depending on what the cyclic feel, maybe you might want a smaller disc and run more collective and uh, a more cyclic pitch to overcome all those uh, those uh, differentials uh, off center. Um, it, it, it all comes down to what you want in a helicopter. And, and I think trying to find out exactly what you want as a pilot is a huge thing as far as your progression in this hobby. Exactly. What do I want in a machine? How do, I, how do I want the machine to move? How do I expect the machine to move at this certain point? Because if not, you're just going to be flying uncomfortable the whole entire time, and it's not going to be fun for you. Mm, yeah, agreed. <laughs> So that, that kind of brings us to our next subject item, which is gearing. So once you've chosen what head speed that you really want with your electric platform, sure. you then got to gear your ESC or your, your drivetrain accordingly in order to keep everything happy. Correct. And the reason, yeah, the reason why gearing is so important is um, you want your ESC to be around 80% throttle output in order to be in that efficient range. And the biggest reason for that is if you run your ESC at, say, 90%, 95%, you don't have the overhead when it starts to bog in order to compensate. And the reason why that is is because let's say you throw a new pack inside of it. Uh, so let's say 50 volts for that pack. And you start flying, you start pushing it, and midway through the flight, you start to get voltage sag. And you could sag that pack to around maybe 42 volts if you're you're beating on it pretty good. If you have 20% of overhead, that allows the voltage to sag to 40 volts before your RPM is affected. If you're running that guy at 95, you're going to notice an RPM drop while you're flying it. Mm-hmm. So 20% gives you that 2-volt overhead when you're really stressing your packs. I, I want to stop you for just a moment. Um, you know, years ago, it was that we calculated you know, a uh, uh, 15% reduction, right? When we we're doing our math, we would minus off 15% and say, okay, that's our headroom. Uh, you're now saying 20%. So instead of, I, I know the terminology these days, people say 85%, but you're insinuating that it needs to be 80%. And You could do, yeah, you could do 80, you can do 85, 90. It depends how hard you push it and how hard mm-hmm. you're really trying to bog the system. <laughs> where, where would it be no, beneficial for somebody who's really hammering on it though no need to interrupt but in all actuality you you need to be running at at 70 percent to be efficient really yes based off the numbers uh 
just from uh, learning through developing an aircraft at work that's a hybrid electric gas uh, aircraft and understanding uh, power to weight ratios um, and uh, outrunner motor efficiency, um, especially when you're when you're um, drawing consistent high amperage, because we we as pilots of a helicopter that's 12 pound 12 pounds we are not um drawing consistent high amperage we're spiking all the time we're we're not having a consistent amp draw on the system so um our battery uh um you know our batteries degrade differently than a system that would be drawing 80 amps consistent for the mm. for the life of the battery versus I'm drawing 40 and now I'm drawing 300. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, Plus that so, two volt overhead I was talking about doesn't take into effect, uh, you know, efficiency exactly. loss of the motor itself. That's assuming you're running a hundred percent efficient motor. Also, too, the the, uh, the all I wouldn't say all the manufacturers, but a good portion of the manufacturers who are developing outrunner motors who say you need anywhere between 85 to 90 percent uh, operation efficiency uh, to be operating the system at its peak performance, but not stressing the system as a whole. It, it's not. It's not correct. It's it. You, you're around 70 percent. That's what. That's what we. What we all are operating these these uh, ESC to motor combinations at, because otherwise we would be. Uh, We'd be melting the the conformal coating that's going over the uh, the copper windings on these outer motors, it, it, and and that's just based off of uh, electrical engineering analysis of what's going on, in in the application that we're stressing the system at. So right, uh, right. And, and I don't mean to put a bandaid or or a uh, or or a, maybe a I told you so or you know that's just what it is. Right. <laughs> So that being said, uh, this 70% or 80%, is it across the board with every ESC in our hobby, or does it vary depending size or even brand? Uh, so from my personal experience, I've had certain ESCs interact with certain motors differently, mm -hmm. um, and it could be due to software. It could be due to the timing that the software has the mo has these MOSFETs firing at, and how that takes and uh, communicates with the the hardware that it's controlling. So, um, certain ESCs are designed around certain motors that are the same brand, and uh, what happens is you uh, you're tuning your your hardware to hardware, and you're developing software around that. Uh, instead, I believe uh, manufacturers should be taking and uh, tuning um, their uh, their firm their software and their firmware around um, some type of mid range between these different uh, different hardware. So being different motors. So if you have an ESC, uh, you you do you do not want it to be tailored towards one type of motor. You want it to be tailored evenly around the board around all the top brands that are out there uh, mm. on the market because that allows everyone to mix and match properly and not have a, any kind of issue. Gotcha. But that's just my opinion.
So we were talking a little bit about efficiency as well there with ESCs and motors. Uh, we did a little bit of research on motor efficiency. Um, we were looking at the XTS Lightning motor that claims to have an efficient, sorry, not the Lightning, the non-Lightning, just the XTS version, had an efficiency of 92.6%. And then we looked at the Lightning version that had a 93.8% efficiency. But those numbers are even a lot higher than most like industrial motors that are usually in the 70s or 80s if you're using like a three-phase EC motor. So it's pretty impressive where we are with efficiency. But you have to take that into account when you're calculating your head speed as well. Um, like if you just simply multiply your, your battery voltage times the kV of the motor, you're not really going to get... Um, you're not going to get the same RPM in real life because of this this loss that really does essentially come out as heat. Scott? Yo. So those numbers are probably derived in a static environment under no load. Yes, that is correct. Right? Yeah, they claim that on their site, too. They say it's a no load reading of efficiency. Right. Once you start inducing a load, everything changes. Right. right. That's where you get that 70%. And, and, and some some systems are in the 57 to 65% range, too. Under load, you mean? Under load, yeah. Okay. It's it, just based off of testing that I've, that I've seen uh, in, the, in the industry that I'm in um, with uh, commercial systems that we buy off the shelf just like anyone else. And, and but we put them through an extensive FMEA uh, process um, if we choose to to use them in in prototype testing or or in commercial uh, assets. Wow! So do you actually do the failure mode analysis or? Yeah. Is that like part of your done, job? Every everything's done in house, Scott. Everything. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's really cool to actually be part of the whole process because you understand. You, you, you get an education along with it, um, so because you have to understand to some degree what you're testing and uh, what you're trying to to uh, have fail, and then you have an electrical engineer or a mechanical engineer say, this is why it failed, or this is what's going to fail, if anything, and uh, they sometimes are even able to give you a, a service life for a certain component just based off of a structural analysis off of a model um so it's, it's kind of cool to see that that's really cool have you guys tried any or tested any hobby grade stuff at all or is this all industrial stuff uh sure yeah we've we've tested a lot of different stuff um we've tested stuff um i'm not going to say man, certain manufacturers but um more in the uas space uh not so much the rc helicopter um you know, side of, of the hobby, mm-hmm. but uh, leading brands that are doing um, great things in the UAS uh, industry as far as uh, props and power distribution systems and ESCs, we, we've we've tested them and are continuing to use them in prototypes. So, uh, yeah, and certain certain manufacturers actually use them in in their commercial grade systems. So. Well, not to mention uh, military systems too. <laughs> so, so if, if you have a, uh, a certain motor uh, on a fixed wing platform, uh, you know it, it might be the same motor that's being used in Afghanistan. 
So think about that next time you take your your machine out. So <laughs> yeah, no hell, no wife. It's not it's not a toy. I'm playing with military grade hardware. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I think the whole moral of the story is that you know the numbers that we get as far as KVs are very they're they're on they're not numbers that are on the load like we are when we actually use them on the helis exactly so it, so it could get us close like you could do the math by taking your kv rating times the volts and come up with a number but in reality you know when you go to fly it's it there's a lot more things happening and you lose some of that head speed due to all sorts of different uh, technical aspects of the power system right exactly Okay. So, like with the hobby wing, um, you know how you guys, uh, when you're setting up your hobby wing and you do that 15 or or 20 second uh, stationary uh, hover at 50, well, not a hover, it's just spooling up the blades at 50 percent. Yep. The calibration. Um, you you will not know how important that is until you, let's say you take VTX 717s, right? And yeah. you take and you do that calibration, right? And then you put, let's say, whatever size, whatever brand 690 blade on the same machine, and then you do the calibration. You're going to notice it when you start pushing on the top end of that ESC. So, here, let, let me hit you with something. Is that where the ESC is learning the backfeed uh, EMF? It, that's that's correct to to a certain degree yes okay from, from what I've understood from uh, certain people who have worked with hobby wing okay and it's 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 uh it's learning the the load of the system as a whole and it's okay. in the most static form it can on that specific helicopter at that time that's interesting I got a question. Should you recalibrate that if you go to a different blade size? Of course, I would. Hmm. Now, Interesting. as far I as, a, of as, far as yeah. how drastic it is, I don't know. Um, but uh, I can say because I mean, if you 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 can ask Scott, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty anal when it comes to my machines, and as far as noticing things and in tuning. Uh, He'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, big time. Or I, if you, I make uh, sure my machine is as perfect as it could be. I try to at least. <laughs> um, but I don't let that affect my flying <laughs> anymore <laughs> at least. But uh, but yes, it does make a difference. Or that, or you can subscribe to the Scott School of Send, where we take an ESC <laughs> yes. off one platform, put it on another one, don't recalibrate, and continue to fly it till this day. Hmm. <laughs> That's why I love you, Scott. Because you, you, you just you just send it. No I'm cares. like I'm like are are you gonna are you gonna look at that pitch setup? It's like no, nah, I'll be fine. And, and you're like oh the blade's gonna be on track. Ah, it'll be all right. <laughs> Do the maneuver first, then fix it. That's right. It's like, whoa, man, man, those that's like three degrees out of track. <laughs> <I can't... laughs> you visibly see two blades. <laughs> nah. Your whole machine's shaking. Like, yeah, I'll change it after this flight. <laughs> <laughs> Just bend everything in. It's fine. Oh, man. But, yeah, stuff like that. And I've used I've used Scorpion ASCs as well. Um, they all have their advantages and disadvantages. Like, there's certain things that a hobby wing does that I can't get a Tribunus to do. 
at least the uh, the version one that I uh, used extensively in the past. Um, and there's things that the Tribunist does that the Hobby Wing doesn't do, and that I, I just can't describe. It's just it's got to be it's got to be software, and the way the system uh, uh, was developed, especially the firmware too. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's just a matter of what works for you. Very cool. Yeah, interesting. Yep. So tell us a little bit about ESC temps. So let's see that you're flying and your your ESC is getting pretty hot, but your motor is running relatively cool. What's one tact that you take to address that? So um, if the ESC is running hot, but the motor is running cool, that means there's you're either flying outside of the efficiency range of uh, the system as a whole, and if the if the motor is heating up and the ESC is staying cool, that means the motor is undersized for the gearing. Mm. If they are both hot, you are either stressing the gearing, whatever the, the, the system is geared for as a whole, you're, you're stressing that whole entire system too much. You're on the throttle too much. Or, or you're, you're on the other side of the efficiency curve too much. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> now, what about um, what about PWM? Can you tell us about that as far as how that affects heat in both motor and ESC? So, P- so from, and I I know this based off of uh, mostly from work, not from working in the hobbyist side of things or any experience in the hobbyist side of things. PWM has nothing to do with uh, with efficiency or heat or uh, or anything like that, in my opinion. PWM, PWM is strictly just going to be a signal for a given uh, for a given range that the piece of hardware is operating at, and then that piece of hardware, being the ESC, is going to command the ES the the, uh, the motor, and the motor is going to demand as uh, as much as it wants based off of that PWM until the ESC can't anymore. That's why the ESC is the, usually the first thing to go. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't expect that answer. <laughs> so what were you expecting, Scott? I was, I don't know. So I've always heard that um, when you increase the PWM, it creates more work on the ESC because the resolution of what it's doing, uh, as far as each phase on the motor uh, increases, so it's giving more pulses per that duration. Um, so the ESC will get hot, but it smooths out the power delivery to the motor because it's not a smooth curve. It's not like a sinusoidal wave that comes from the ESC to the motor. It does it in steps, right? So the lower the PWM, the more notchy this curve is for the motor as far as what it's seeing. It's all based off the, it's all based off the baseline of where the PWM starts with, uh, for the firmware on the ESC. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you're, let's say your range is 900 to, to 1800, right? Mm-hmm. If you're operating at 1750, you're above the efficiency range. I mean, relatively speaking, of the PWM range. It's okay. all set in firmware. Um, now, I'm not going to say that I know that 
is there a certain PWM range for a certain given uh, KV motor that you should be running? I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but all I know is that uh, based off of the things that I've seen in uh, the commercial side of the industry, that um, if you have an ESC, there's a given range as far as from the manufacturer that's set or that you're set that is set manually through firmware. And, uh, and that, um, that range, uh, is basically what you're outputting to the, to the, uh, the motor. Now, as far as the, what you said, uh, Scott, with it's going to send different signals and it could, it could take and potentially make the motor run more efficiently. I'm not sure. Okay, interesting. I think I need to uh, I need to go dive into that and research some more. Yeah. <laughs> I'll call Monty see if he can help me out. There you go. Yeah, Monty's <laughs> Monty's a wealth of information. <laughs> he just loves that stuff though. That's why. Yeah. So that's that's PWM. So what about motor timing? So I've always been under the assumption uh, that you increase timing, you can extract possibly more more performance out of the motor but at the exchange of more heat. Um, That's correct. Right. Uh, do you go with stock settings? Do you ramp that up? Do you ever kind of tune that in? Or I feel like most people these days don't actually try and tune motor timing so much. So in the past, I've tried with the hobby wing, trying to squeeze as much out as I could, uh, especially because I was running 717 VTXs, and I wanted to you know, extract as much uh, power out of the ESC so I can have uh, the most power going to the disc that I could possibly have, and um, it just resulted in an exponential amount of heat going to the throughout the system. So I just go with stock settings now. Fifteen, I think, I believe it's fifteen on the uh, yeah um, yep. on the hobby wing, and I just leave it there. I think, I think it's- uh, in XFC. Well, before I went to your your house and we did some te- uh, some testing and some uh, practice for XFC. I was messing around with it slightly and it was getting hot during the summer and it just uh, seemed like it was not worth the trade off for the heat. Yeah. Plus the, the power system. setups are are almost overpowered these days too. Like it, it was way bigger when when you know like the 6S T-Rex 600 was out. We used right. to all crank the timing as high as we could because the motor had no power. Like, we were trying right. to make power out of nowhere. <laughs> but now, I mean, yeah. they're making astronomical amounts of power. I mean, when, when you're running a, a, you know, a system that's like 13 horsepower on a 13-pound machine, it's, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. You know, power-to-weight yeah. ratio, real, you know, relation, so... Uh, if if you're bogging that, you need to work on your collective management <laughs> <laughs> and your setup and uh, smooth things out. That's the best advice that I can give you. And I've had that issue before in the past, too. So, I mean, we all want to go fast right now. So, <laughs> Mama, I want to go fast. <laughs> I want to go fast. <laughs> I, I get it. It's exciting. and uh, But slowing things down, too, can have its benefits it allows you to really uh dissect certain maneuvers and make you understand certain aspects of maneuvers that will make you understand another maneuver better and i'm sure scott can speak to that too yeah sometimes rushing through at a high head speed and high roll rates is not necessarily 
teaching you as much as you could learn at lower head speeds. Right. If you can yeah. do something that's really controlled, like a foot or two off the ground, and I mean, people go like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. So, have, have you ever tried 14S? You know, I've never owned a 14S helicopter, ever. And I've <laughs> never flown one either. You never flown one, okay. No, never. I've seen uh I've seen a 14S helicopter fly. Um Urcha 2015. A gentleman uh I think his name was Kenny. He was flying for KDS at the time. He was flying a 14S uh machine, the uh I forget whatever 700 electric they had out at the time. And man, it was a rocket ship. He actually blew the blades off the machine. I'm, wow. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you. Like, like it, it on 14s on 14s. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm not gonna say what blade it was, but yeah. But what uh, head speed was he running? Uh, <laughs> all it was, it was, it was all the head speed <laughs> <laughs> and all and all of the collectives. <laughs> that is awesome. All the well, when you when when you come down for that fun fly here to uh, Charlotte, we'll uh, we'll get you linked up with Sherman. He's got a 14s for you. Oh jeez. Oh, what was <laughs> oh, he spending? Twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred. Yeah. Oof. So so I have to. So when I come down, am I required to only bring nitro? It's all you I have. have to, no, I, I, have, <laughs> I have electric. I have a logo seven hundred that's going right now. Oh, okay. I forgot about that one. Yeah, I, I, I got a brand new set of um, experts and a brand new V-Bar Neo in there, and she, she's been rocking and rolling. Not yeah, enough head speed. Yeah, huh? Too low of a head speed. You think? Yeah. Leave that at home. Bring <laughs> the nitro. <laughs> Just right. It's funny because uh, everyone at the field says, wow, you fly the nitro like so different, like aggressive and... Uh, it seems like you're in tune with it, and then I fly the the Logo 700, and it's it's uh it's like you're disconnected, and I'm like, you know what, you're kind of right. I don't know what I don't know how to explain it. You're too respectful it. to the Logo 700s. You're too nice on them. Where well, if you have you anything have else or a Logo 690. The Logo 690 was awesome. If the thing <laughs> didn't break in the air, I, man, man. <laughs> I'm not surprised, though. I mean, you flew the absolute crap out of that thing when I saw you fly it. Tell them the story behind uh, that that OHB. <laughs> yeah, so it was that OHB flying the 700s, and I was like, okay, so he's a kind of you know gentle, controlled, skilled pilot. Okay, because it was the first time I ever saw Paul fly. And then this dude pulls out the 690, and he <laughs> flew it like he hated it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is not the same pilot. <laughs> like, contr- like really technical, controlled deck work and... Just, like, yeah. it, it like was, you were mad though. Like you didn't want to go above four feet off the ground and you were pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott will tell you, I, when I uh, came down to uh, North Carolina to fly nitro, I think I brought the Diablo nitro and the, the Kraken nitro. Nice. You were like, wow, you're, you're flying different that time. Yeah. I, I was flying different at that time. Yeah, whenever you fly nitro, I don't know what it is, but you get in this zone and it just soars, it just clicks, and yeah. you get aggressive with it. It's smooth, it's controlled, it's fast, it's awesome. It's yeah, fun to I, watch. I, I really, I honestly kind of don't want to go back to electric. <laughs> then don't. There we go. Now we're talking. 
<laughs> See, I'm the same way. I, I'm a lot more confident with nitro than I am with electric. Like, I'll, my nitro stuff, I can fly it much, much lower, like inches from the ground. The electric stuff, I got to keep it up higher. I just can't, I don't know. I think it's the power delivery thing for me. Well, it's, nitro speaks to you, too, you know? So it's one of those things where... You know, with it talking back to you, you you can only go so far. Where electric is sort of endless, you know. Right. It's just, Kevin, stop! Don't right. beat me, Kevin. Well, you know, it's funny because like I flew a nitro in front of Scott, and he was like, "Wow, you fly nitro better than you do electric." And I was like, "Thanks for telling me I suck. I appreciate it." No, it's not. It's not that you suck. It's it's just that you you vibe more with the power delivery. Yeah, sure. I mean, sure. so I've always understood or i mean i grew up flying nitro uh i progressed flying nitro and that's what you know i i kind of made a lot of my progress with so it's only natural that you know you you, you're more comfortable with that power delivery Mm -hmm. but you know when you go from you know four four and a half to six horsepower maybe for flying a 120 that's tuned properly uh to 13 horsepower <laughs> that's a huge difference <laughs> sure o- on yeah. the same weighted helicopter pretty much you know but you can it see is, you yeah, can see ahead, too who um who started on nitro and who started on electric too when you see them fly a nitro because you can tell when guys fly a nitro like it's an electric and vice versa except mm-hmm. justin cook no no justin actually no justin started out with a t-rex 600 nitro that's where he actually had some nitro experience so that's maybe mm-hmm. why he flies it really well yeah i mean justin's a great pilot regardless but i love uh, watching him fly here yeah, yeah Ju- justin's getting really good i'm really happy he's uh he's progressed a lot he has yeah it was really fun to watch him fly more so after xfc than before or during and, and Scott can speak to this too. Like he, we saw some flights that he put down uh, after the competition. That like if it was during the competition, he would have won. Definitely. Like I don't I don't know if prepping for it changed his flying style or what, or just forcing him to work on some stuff for that competition made his style change. But definitely, you can see it after he's throwing down. Yeah, way different. You know what I think it is? It's like nerves, uh, like working up to the competition and trying to be at your best and, and having that stress kind of it kind of clouds your mind and it, it kind of makes you just more nervous as a pilot and maybe uh maybe more conservative or just not as relaxed and when you get out there it's more it feels more like work than it feels like fun and when it feels like fun and and you know you're putting down a good flight it kind of gives you the motivation to you know, maybe do that new maneuver and or uh, or get a bit a little bit lower. So that's just right. my opinion on on competition. It's a great thing. It it really pushes you to get better. It well, really does. From my vantage point, and Scott and I, we had talked about this. His pre XFC Justin. Don't get me wrong. He could beat the snot out of a helicopter. Higher head speed. Really put on. You know, a fairly decent show. But it it just it felt like just like that it felt like it was just let me just absolutely pulverize this thing where it wasn't super technical it was just smack 
all over the place the entire time. So getting to XFC and having to prep for that, you know, his style has changed. To me, I think it's changed for the better. Some people might be like, oh, gosh, he's doing this whole technical stuff where I, I loved it when he just beat the crap out of it. But me, he's he, to me, he's gotten very good now where he he's uh he's more balanced in my opinion yes he does he's he's kind of whipping out those maneuvers that and those off axial maneuvers that you see the germans uh do overseas um like the old school mikado pilots that were flying the 700 extreme you saw them doing maneuvers that are hard to do today or, or, right. uh, or still relevant today. And they were doing those maneuvers back in like 2013 and 2016. Or sorry, 15, because 16, the, the, the new 700 came out. Um, you know, so I think there's something to say for, for competition. It definitely pushes you to, to be a better pilot and it makes you think in a different way. Sure. Uh, and especially too with music, uh, have music for me has always allowed me to think of different ways to do things. Uh, right. without music, I, flying would be boring for me. Uh, you could have me fly a routine without music and then, have, <laughs> then put an ear, then put an earbud in my, my ear and it's going to be different. A lot oh. different. <laughs> yeah. So, Definitely is fun. It was fun watching you practice for XFC, too. Um, and then one thing that I noticed, too, remember when we were getting the motors were coming down real hot when we were practicing at, uh, at the, the office? Yep. So tell us some of the dangers of the, the motors heating up too far. What could possibly go wrong? So the first thing to go in a motor that's heating up too much uh, is the the bearings that are retaining the, the, uh, the shaft that's attached to the, uh, the can of the motor that's holding the magnets. Uh, mm-hmm. those, once those bearings start to get crunchy, that's a very good indication that the heat transfer from the stator is, uh, it's getting really fucking hot. <laughs> excuse, excuse my French. It's all um, good. It's an adult show. <laughs> um, so after that, in my experience, uh, the next thing to go is the conformal coating that's over the uh, the copper windings. And that yeah. spells doom, right? Well, yes. And <laughs> so usually the first indication is the smell while you're flying. <laughs> and then after that, you might see some smoke. So and you say the smell while you're flying. You mean you could smell it from the aircraft while you're doing your routine? Or do you mean when you bring it into land and you catch a whiff of it? I can smell it from the aircraft while you're doing the routine. You're and an animal. Right before, <laughs> right before it's right before it starts taking and smoking. Wow. And 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 Kyle Stacy can say that too because he saw it happen. <laughs> um, one day we were when we were at torches when it was during the summer and I was being a, a dick to a motor. <laughs> and I just was not being nice to this helicopter and just. I didn't care. <laughs> um, it wasn't on the 690, was it? No, it was on the 700. Ah, believe it or not. I don't believe, believe it. It. <laughs> it was with a different. It was with a different ESC that I'm using right now. Okay. 
and they they have been known to not communicate that well. So that, and from the from what I've heard from Ex Nova, uh, it was kind of uh, one of those deals where it was just a matter of time. Right. Okay. So it all it all kind of made sense once that OHB happened where we met each other when uh when the uh the owner of Ex Nova uh came to uh Orlando and uh basically told me, Yeah, you need to be running this ESC or this other ESC for this not to happen long term. Yeah, didn't you give him the motor or show him the one that you exploded? Yeah, I did. I did, and he took it back. Uh, he took it back uh, to uh, to China. So, yeah. But it, I I have motors with the ESCs that they they uh, suggest and that have you know three hundred fifty flights on uh, on them. You know, maybe even more. Um, wow, I was flying a lot last year, and electric flights are a lot less uh, than nitro flights. So. <laughs> so keeping keeping along the uh the theme of maintenance and stuff or sorry of heat um let's talk about heat and escs and possible issues then let's jump into maintenance on motors so um the dangers of an esc over temping is it typically not catastrophic do they usually catch themselves with an uh, over temp alarm and go into uh you know thermal overload and throttle down or uh have you had catastrophic failures so I've had catastrophic failures due to um, manufacturing defect, uh, but other than that, I've never had an ESC blow up on me in the air or on the bench um, or a BEC or any, uh, or any other kind of failure, knock on wood. Um, so um, basically... I've never ever had an ESC failure except for one catastrophic failure, uh, and that was on spool up. Okay. Um, so other than that, I've been pretty lo- uh, lucky and or fortunate, even when things started to get hot during the summer. So let's say that you melt the conformal coating off the, the wires by accident and you nuke the motor. What's the danger of your ESC taking a hit at the same time? Um, personally, I can't speak to that because I don't have any experience with it. Okay. Um, but if, uh, I'm sure someone else could answer that, answer that question or I can find out later on. Um, but, but I, there was just, there was just rumors. People talk that, you know, if something happens, let's say you throw a magnet or something or the motor gets damaged. Um, there's a lot of belief that the ESC will be impacted too and it could uh you know destroy itself if you guys would like i could ask one of the electrical engineers at work who who deals a lot with outrunner motors uh and see what he says because i'm sure whatever he says is going to be true yeah that'd be fantastic and and i could get back to you guys and uh because i'm sure people would like to like to know or hear so they they might have a piece of equipment that's been in such an event and they want to know if it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. just, should I worry about it or should I not care? Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> All right. So give us the skinny on motor maintenance bearings. Usually anything else? So personally with 
the motors that I've been running the last uh, three years, uh, the X Nova motors, mm-hmm. I have never replaced bearings. I have never uh, oiled bearings or performed any kind of maintenance on them at all. It sounds like my routine. Um, <laughs> right. But um, I believe the reason why is due to correct tolerance, to, uh, correct tolerances on uh, the uh, the bearings and the uh, the whatever is capturing the the outer race and the the shaft that the inner race is going through, and also mm-hmm. the quality of the bearings too. Um, the mounting of the bearing and the tolerances, I think, have a huge impact on the life of your bearings. Um, heat alone, I think, is bad, but uh, I think overall friction is the enemy for a bearing. And movement, uh, the you know, if if a bearing has any uh, means of moving. Uh, it's 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 going to degrade the life of that bearing. Yeah, and it's going to spin on one of the races, and that's I mean, it. Th- think about your rotor head system. The the bearing that you have that's in the grip that's interacting with the shim or the spacer between the 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 damper inside the rotor hub. Uh, that that the amount of load on that bearing is huge. That yeah. that's that's the entire disc loading of of the system throughout the whole entire life of the helicopter until you change out those bearings um and those are the ones that usually feel the worst <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so that's a prime example of when you when you move a uh inner race and you stress an inner race long enough it's 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 gonna get knocky it's gonna get it's gonna get kind of shitty <laughs> yeah once you once you get past that you know uh chrome coating of that hard chrome or hardened uh outside of the material on that bearing race it's game over it's going sure. to start wearing fast. Um, I have heard before in the past that if your motor is constantly running hot, be it due to your setup or just that motor in general or, or whatever, um, because it heats up so much, it changes the viscosity of the oil or grease that's inside the bearings and it will flow out or in some extreme cases uh, boil off. And once that happens, obviously the bearings run dry and then they wear out faster. Do you think so that's, that's uh, an, so to me from uh just strictly from from what I do for a living mm-hmm. that's an indication of uh, a flaw in design. Okay. Oh. So if 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 you have to oil bearings um every 15 to 20 flights um that means there's a, uh some flaw in heat dissipation of the the motor itself, um, if, if it's <laughs> allowing itself to get that hot throughout its operational range, then uh, there's something needs to be changed. The oiling a bearing uh, is a band-aid. So something that's interesting about that is that um, I, I've predominantly run Scorpion motors, but, uh, you know, it's funny because they say oil it every five to ten flights or something like that. Um, I don't. And I know there's a lot of people in my camp with me that we don't oil those bearings throughout the lifespan of the motor. And I've never changed 
I've sold motors before I've changed bearings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I've never changed bearings in a motor because I haven't had to. Um, but it seems like the guys that do oil them, and I've heard a few cases of this. I'm not saying it's widespread. But it seems like if you do oil it, then you have to keep oiling it. Yeah, you flush the, the oiler grease that's in there from the factory out. Right. And now you have to keep reapplying it. Right. But but Kevin's a little bit like Tarek. He does five or six flights. He just buys a new motor. <laughs> <laughs> but you also know, something too, else that we have these days where we didn't in the past when you were talking about the friction on the bearings is we do have the motor mount or motor uh, support bearings that we didn't have years ago. That's true. So, the second you know, support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, too, if you look at um, a motor when you when you uh, take it apart, you see how those two bearings are supported, how they're actually secured within the motor. Mm-hmm. That's going to right there is an indication on how it's going to survive throughout the the, the life of the uh, of the motor or the life of that bearing. Okay. Because if that outer race is able to rock whatsoever, um, when things start to expand due to heat, um, like I, I I go back to the tolerance thing. If if the tolerances are designed properly and uh, it's retained properly, it's going to have a longer service life. Yeah. And that goes for that. That also goes for nitro too. I mean, for anything. I mean, Scott can speak to this more than me. I, I mean, he probably has much more experience than I do. Uh, with what, going twenty-one clicks lean, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> I put some heat but, in those motors. But just in explaining it, uh, y- you can tell. I mean, when you slip that that shaft or the inner race of the bearing. It's like, oh yeah, that shaft was designed properly. It's going to, um, it's not going to allow things to rock, uh, you know, under load or when when things tend to get hot and things expand because it's metal, of course. Oh, it got hot and it rocked under load for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Are we talking about the same definitions for these words? (laughs) Damn it. Oh, man. We can't keep going to Nitro, though. It's electric show. Electric show. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Electric, electric, electric. Okay. <laughs> Game face. Uh, okay, okay. Next question. So, yeah, we were talking about maintenance. Um, what we want to talk about now is uh, windings. So what kind of experience do you have with different windings on motors, be it a Y winding or a delta winding? So I cannot speak to the type of winding. Excuse me. The the the, uh, the orientation of the of the winding. Mm-hmm. Well, I can speak to uh, the type of winding. Okay. So multi strand versus single strand. Oh right. Okay. Uh, prime example is uh, uh, Logo 690 motor. Uh, my experience when I when I received the stock motor, uh, the life of that motor, which was a multi-strand, was a lot less than when I uh, received a single strand, um, and uh, it, it survived. As far as what that entails, I'm not sure, um, but uh, but yeah. Hmm, okay. 
Um, I did want to bring up the differences between the two that I've ran into with Y and uh, and Delta. Uh, most of the X Nova motors are a, a YY configuration, um, but I have come across occasionally a Delta wound motor. Uh, one of the most common ones would be the Nick Maxwell motor from Scorpion. That that is actually a Delta wind, and some ESCs don't play well with that motor. Um, and what you'll get is it'll it'll struggle to start. It won't spool up, and then when it does get spooled up, it'll sit at like uh, like half the RPM it's supposed to. Um, we had a couple local guys here that ran you know that motor with a hobby wing, and we just we couldn't figure out what was up. We just thought the hobby wing was was maybe damaged or something or something bad was going on. But um, apparently, you need to change the way that it starts a Delta motor. You got to start it with a lot more power. They're harder to get going. Um, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, once they're going, they're a, a smoother running motor. Um, or opposed to the the Delta the YY wind motor is a lot easier to get started. Um, so yeah, it was really threw us for a loop for for a couple months when we were trying to figure out why. All of a sudden, we couldn't get these motors to turn. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was pretty wild. We had to drop the Is timing the a lot in the Delta 45? motor, too. Uh, it was a weird size. I believe it was a smaller a can. Like a 42. Yeah, 42, yeah. 30 tall, or right? something. Or Yeah, it's tall and skinny. Yeah. And it's Delta wound. And it's it's pretty rare to find a Delta wound motor, but a couple Scorpion ones are. Yeah. I'm sure it's that way for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe for um, consistency of RPM uh, through some kind of mechanical means, I'm I'm not sure, but um, definitely I'm sure there's a reason why. Yeah, but it's interesting to say the least. If you if you're purchasing motors, pay attention to what the winding is. If you plan to go hobby wing, uh, expect to possibly have some issues with a Delta motor. Um, if you go Tribunus with a Delta. Scorpion motor, there's no issues. I think they they must pre-compensate for it in their software if they can identify it. I'm not sure how they do that. But you, you put a Tribunus on a Delta motor, it's just fine. <laughs> cool. So, yeah. That being said, do you want to uh, talk a little bit about some ESC settings? Sure. So, let's chat about startup power. Tell us what that is. So on the hobby wing, uh, the startup power, uh, pretty much in my understanding, controls um, the spool up rate as far as uh, from where the PWM comes out of the hobby wing to the uh, to the motor. At the rate the ramp up, uh, at the rate that the ramp up uh, performs to whatever RPM you're commanding. And then it also reduces or increases the amount of uh, strength, if you would, that it has during that point. So if you have the startup power relatively low and you grab the head of the model while it's trying to start, you can keep the the rotor from starting. But there's a point where uh, if you bump that up higher than that, uh, it'll be more and more difficult to overcome that with the motor. Um, Where it could just take off from the bench, basically, if you put it on full. I think the max is 7 or something. Um, I personally have had that situation on a, a heli where I was messing around with the throttle wires and I, I took the master and swapped it for the slave on a Contronic and uh, it started going on the bench and I had to wrestle with a 12S helicopter, which was fun. <laughs> so I've noticed too that, that um, the startup power for whatever 
uh, spool up rate that you would uh, would like or expect on a model mm-hmm. um, for different gear ratios is different. So, like the logo versus the Kraken, I've had to set it to a different setting to get that spool up rate that I'm looking for. Yeah, and like you ever see when the motor sits there and kind of kind of shimmies back and forth and jogs sure. like it's struggling to start. Sure. Um, if you bump that startup power too, it helps alleviate that issue as well. Okay. Yep. Because it's 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 obviously going through whatever. Well, it's going through that the RPM band uh, or that RP, that uh, PWM uh, signal that it's going to command it to get past that, right? Well, it's just allowing it to have more more current, more power running through the motor at that stage in order to get it moving because it can't get past that phase because it doesn't have enough power to turn the motor but the motor bell in that phase with the amount of resistance on the drivetrain at that moment. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, next we got is active freewheeling. Yeah. So, Which, of course, Castle from years ago did not have. That was one of the... The things about Castle versus other ESCs on the market at the time, like YGE and a few others, I think. So Hobbywing defines that as uh, active freewheeling contributes to less heat in the ESC, uh, allowing you to run, um, or sorry, less heat when you're running a non-optimal uh, RPM range. So let's say that you're running the ESC at the throttle output of 50%. It keeps the thing from from heating up because you're so far out of that. Mm. efficiency curve right so with active freewheeling from my understanding is uh whatever uh throttle output that you're commanding uh if you decide to overspeed it past that throttle output um it'll allow the system to to freewheel and without any type of braking and mm. vice versa that's what i understand Okay. It's more more efficient, like what Scott said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does it does affect like if you want to run very obscure head speeds. Like I think uh, I mean I remember back uh, a while back they were running like you know strange head speeds like thirteen hundred uh, on you know some TDR or whatever. But then they would you know run up to nineteen hundred or two thousand RPM. But it it reduced that possibility of there being retention of heat it would it it changes its efficiency somehow gotcha so that makes sense with the overspeed part too i guess right i mean i I think anyways (laughs) (laughs) i never did understand that part really because um you know there's one-way bearings in these systems and these helis you're not you're not actually going to overspeed the motor per se during an overspeed right that's why your log, when you, you do a really nasty overspeed, it never registers. Like, I'll run 2200 head speed on a model. I'll do an mm. overspeed, and it's well over 3K. You know, you can hear it audibly. And uh, when you look at the log, it didn't go above 22, 2250. Mm. Okay, well, that makes sense, too, actually. So, And then we already covered GovStore a little bit as far as uh, tuning the, the governor. Um there's a mode called ELF Gov, um, which basically is the same kind of thing as Governor Store. It's still learning the the you know the resistance and what head speed the the helicopter is really capable of, 
at neutral pitch. Um, but the ELF Gov does it every single time you start the heli, and it does it during the soft start spool up. Um, so by the time it goes into govern mode, it's already learned the uh, learned the, uh, the the resistance on the drivetrain, what it needs to do, and what RPM it can uh, can reach. The downside to that, though, is your RPM is constantly going to change with every pack you put in the heli. So if you put a weaker pack in that has a lower lower voltage at that kind of spool up time you're going to have a lower RPM during that flight in total. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. um, Mike, your uh, yard sale, you were talking about that earlier where you had that experience. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've had times where even with the same battery pack, just if I didn't give it as much time, like if I, if I spool up and take right off into a flight, the RPM range would be way different than the flight where I gave it time to actually um, sit there for a second or two. Like, I don't know too much about it because I quickly changed it to the GovStore mode, so I didn't spend too much time dabbling with it. But how it was explained to me was basically you need to let it run for a second or two once you're spooled up. That way you the uh, ESC needs to do its thing, and then you would go ahead and start, you know, continue with the flight. So, and when I didn't give it that time, I did notice a difference with RPM ranges, and it was it was a pretty drastic difference. Now, do you noticing. do you think maybe during spool up, sometimes you had it at like full negative, or the tail was maybe trying to turn or something during the spool up process? Because the interesting thing is, according to Hobbywing, they say that once it goes into governor mode in ELF Gov, it's not learning anymore, at least for this one specific mode, which is really right. peculiar. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I guess it's possible that that could have been the case, but um, I don't know when Hobbywing considers in governor mode, you know what I mean, if that's... Yeah, you never know when the transition really is, do you? Like, yeah, when that handoff actually happens, I yeah. don't know. Okay. Uh, and then let's talk about governors next. I mean, as far as internal governor, which means the governor in the ESC is dictating the RPM of the machine versus uh, fly barless governor, an external governor, or sometimes referred to as an integrated uh, ESC governor. Uh, what do you run, Paul? So in the past, I used to run VBARGov, and I loved the fact that it was uh, so tunable. You could, you could literally manipulate any aspect of the governor that mean that i would want in a governor but there's a trade-off such that uh there's so much stuff to to mess with that it's kind of overwhelming at times and you can actually tune for a certain um flight style rather than uh an overall flight style so it would be great for you know tight uh you know, smack flying, but once you get into, uh, you know, like huge hurricanes and big air stuff, it would sag. Hmm. It's hard to tune for a happy medium. So uh, I, I've discussed this with Kyle before, and uh, I ultimately went to the Hobby Wing Gov because it's a great, it's a great governor. It works all the time. Uh, there's no tuning required, and it just works for me. More people are going to a internal gov in the ESC rather than an external integrated gov with a fly barless. 
Some people argue that the ESC is uh, a reactive governor, whereas the fly barless system is a proactive response to the the resistance on the drivetrain and everything during flight. Um, because when you run, for instance, VBARGOV, you can have it pre-compensate when you punch the collective. It can pre-compensate when you give it tail input or cyclic input, anything of that nature. So it knows what you're doing with the helicopter before the resistance comes through the drivetrain. So it can already start to hit the gas, if you would, before it actually hits the, um, you know, it feels the load of the actual uh, drivetrain loading up when you do those maneuvers. But... ESC these ESCs these days have such a, a wildly different governor than they used to say you know ten years ago that the benefits are starting to shrink to the point where it's almost not even worth it at this point to deal with tuning the the VBAR gov. The VBAR gov does have its uh, its advantages though I can't mm-hmm. say um, I really enjoyed the VBAR gov when I was running um, the Tribunus ESC. Uh, they okay. communicated very well together, in my opinion. Um, I, I like the fact that I can manipulate um, the amount of RPM and how dynamic it was with collective and cyclic inputs, and as well as uh, the amount of uh, tail I was giving, tail input I was giving as well mm-hmm. to compensate for the torque. Um, that was really nice. It, it almost was uh, like the governor was helping you along the way throughout the maneuver. Uh, so things were a little bit more effortlessly cy- in cyclic, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, maneuvers that required more cyclic. Um, the hobby wing seems a little bit, you know, lacking, but that's just because it's, it's, uh, it's not, you're, it's not tuned for it because it's, it's a, it's a built in governor within the ESC. So have but you tried great overall? Have you tried the hobby wing, with the VBAR gov now that it's fully integrated with telemetry? I honestly, I have not. I know Andrew Lax has, and mm-hmm. he showed it to me at the field uh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. It looks fantastic. I just have not had the time between work and building this new nitro to kind of dive into <laughs> it. Busy times. Did he elaborate at all on the handoff? Um, does that fully integrated telemetry mode now have a smoother handoff between hobby wing and v-bar so andrew did not elaborate on that so okay um i i am not sure at this point i'm just gonna have to blow something up this weekend then i'm afraid try it out <laughs> oh no scott don't do that That's the best, way, best way to do it absolutely set your own stuff on fire for school for science there you no. go scott school is in oh yeah we're gonna do it because i'm really curious if that's cleaned up or not because i know before Obviously, the, the fly barless is trying to spool, spool up at a certain speed. The ESC is trying to do a soft start and spool up at a certain speed. And if you don't tune them in correct, you get that kick. And it's not a fault of either party. They're just not talking to each other. So now I'm wondering, now that they have you know fully integrated mode with the telemetry, how well they talk to each other. So I'm, I'm really curious on that. Well, I mean, from what I observed from his, uh, from his flight, from the time that he... Took off the time and landed. Uh, it seemed like perfect. Nice. Like he was running like he was running a hobby wing gum, and that's it. Okay. So if that says anything, um, yeah. I'm Excellent. spoiled. I I need it. Just I would much rather <laughs> hear percentage. <laughs> you know, 
I like, agree. I agree. Um, I mean, totally. I used to run as the timer in the past. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't mean that. I don't mean the milliamp use or anything. I'm talking throttle, throttle percentage output, controlling RPM integrated. Mm-hmm. Like I well, believe you and. Yeah, no, I'm talking to Skids though. I mean, it's yeah. I don't. Are you running? Oh, you're running the the Scorpion one, but yeah, yeah. There's two different modes with it where you can still have the uh, hobby wing deal with the governor, and the hobby wing can have the milliamp temperature RPM telemetry coming across. Or there's an option to fully integrate it where you're using VBAR gov on top of that. Oh, and wow. the v- I'm wondering if the VBAR gov fixes that kick at that point because they're talking now better than they were before. Hmm. Yeah, we'll definitely try it out and let us know. That'd be awesome. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think that was the big, I don't want to say complaint, but that was a, a noticeable difference between the Scorpion integrated uh, governor and the new um, hobby wing. Yeah, and and kind of to go back earlier when we were talking about that that whole um, having the flybrowless unit think ahead, you know, not necessarily when the head is loading. Mm-hmm. I use precompensation a lot for low head speed. So uh, when I was doing low head speed on my XL seven hundred, my Spectre seven hundred, I noticed that you know I was kind of bogging too much. So what I did was I gave it a little bit of. Um, Governor precompensation whenever I input it any kind of um, uh, collective input, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of the same idea as the flybrowless unit knows when you're inputting that before the ESC knows that you're going to put it on the load. So that's kind of the neat feature about having the Neo doing some of the governing, you right. know? And, and it sounds like the hobby wing now is capable of that too with the full integration, right? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have, to, try uh, it out. <laughs> I'll have to try it out during the uh, the full pool school and see if anyone notices the difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. there you go. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Is there any other uh, any other topics with electric helicopters? Because I, I don't want to dig too deep into batteries because that's you know batteries are batteries. It's a whole different setup. Sure. But um, as far as conversation. Yeah. Exactly. You can have a whole show on on batteries themselves. But yep. um, between the ESC and the motor. Uh, any other subjects you want to touch on? I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty good. You guys come yeah. with a, a wide range of topics, <laughs> yeah. of hardware. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as as far as that goes, I think you guys covered a lot. So let, let, let me throw this out there, and and Paul, you probably have given thought to this at at some point, if not all the time, but. If you take a, let's say, a 70C set of 12S stick, right? 70C uh, burst. Sure. You take, let's say, a Hobby Wing 200 and a 4535. Out of that whole power system, what do you think is the weak link? Hmm. So what the do you... Th- entire, the whole in, entire system, I think, uh, between a, a 70C battery, a Hobby Wing... Mm-hmm. The 4535 motor, generic, doesn't matter what brand, correct? Yeah, yeah. that's correct. The battery, the battery yeah. is the weak link. Yeah, the, the the battery, the battery is the weak link, and then next is the uh, ESC. ESC, okay. Yeah. ESC is number two for sure. Yeah, yeah, because it will eventually overcurrent or get too hot or whatever. But if if you had the the dream battery of all time in zero voltage sag, obviously mm-hmm. relatively lightweight. 
um, helicopters would perform a lot differently. But whenever you really start beating on them, you get mm-hmm. voltage sag right off the bat. So well, I've always had this saying that you know the motor will always, as long as it's got somewhere to draw from, it will keep pulling right until either the battery or the ESC gives. Right. Do you right. guys want me? Do you guys want me to tell you a story about batteries that? Yeah. Um, from back in the day. I'm ready. Shoot, give us the so good stuff. I, I was at the I was at the um, second heli phenom before Josh uh, ran the phenom, or uh, before it was really hu- really huge. Um, it was I believe it was a year before Jamie Robertson and Ben Stork started coming. So it was like Nick Maxwell was there, and you know Tim Jones and the A main team and a bunch of other people from the Northeast, pretty much. It, it was like the Virginia of, you know, before Virginia was an event. Um, you, you know, Casey Campbell's a, event. Mm-hmm. So I'm there. Um, and I was flying for Curtis at the time. And uh, Devin LeBlanc and Tim Jones. And if you don't remember De- Devin LeBlanc, he was a, a, a pilot for A-Main Hobbies back in the day. They, they uh, were flying... Um, T-Rex uh, 700s uh, electrics. I don't believe, I don't know which version it was, but they're flying an electric. And they had these batteries that had no label on them, white heat shrink, and they were abnormally smaller profile-wise, height and and width profile-wise, than you'd expect. And they'd go out and they'd fly these batteries, beat the crap out of them, until they literally uh, went to um, went to almost zero. Uh, no puff, and they would come down at, like, no temperature whatsoever. Like, it never flew. Wow. They'd <laughs> pop it back on the charger, and it would come back like nothing happened consistently. They would auto them down when the battery ran out, like like if you ran fuel, like you ran out of fuel the nitro. <laughs> wow. And then people, uh, I started asking like Devin, why, uh, how, why are you doing that for one, and how is your battery surviving? And apparently, this the scientist from overseas, somewhere from Russia, came to the Vegas fun fly and said, "Hey, I have," and he was a chemical engineer. Uh, who specialized in battery technology, and um, he basically said, "I have these batteries. You guys should test these out." And they tested them out. I don't know. I don't know how many sets they got, um, and they they continued to test them, you know, from event to event that summer. And it was. I don't know what they're made of. I don't know what what type of chemical construction they were or what. Unobtainium. <laughs> I don't know what these what these were, but if, if one thing that like from my memory from events that I always go back to, and I don't tell many people about it because it's, I mean it's, I guess I don't know it's kind of dumb, but not dumb at the same time. But why don't we have that technology now? And what was in those batteries? <laughs> right. For, for, did they for real? Did they, they charge they, them they, as lipo? Um. Yeah. Yeah. They charge him as lipo. So, uh, funny you bring that up. We actually had a couple of our airplane guys back in like 
oh, this is probably like around 2012-ish. That's about right. 2012. And these these ones were silver though, no tag on them or anything. But they basically they can run them completely dead, and they can charge them like as much as your charger can put out. They can handle. Yeah. You just they, just load them up, man. Just and, plow and it to them. They can run them. They they can run them until they're dead. They come back right. and nothing yep. happened. Now yep. now now what is that chemical construction and why don't we have that? And, right. and the reason why I bring it up is because we're talking about battery. We're talking about ESCs and motors. Might as well talk a little bit about batteries. And it's a cool story because it was a, you know, it was one event. And I, I don't, I don't think it was very, you know, I don't think it was public knowledge as far as what what Tim Jones and Devin LeBlanc had at their disposal as, you know, to test. Because Tim Jones had the, I don't know if you guys remember the Beast. Do you guys remember the Beast? Yep. His uh his custom T Rex seven hundred uh with that custom castle motor mm-hmm. and ESC combination that ripped like no other electric back <laughs> in the day. Yeah. Yep. So he was running those batteries on there, and then Devin LeBlanc was using just a you know run of the mill off the shelf T Rex seven hundred electric and. It was amazing to see those batteries come. They, they both did the same thing. They 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 ran those batteries till the ESC said no. There's nothing left, and they just had enough voltage uh, that they were running the receiver pack. Uh, I mean, the voltage of a receiver pack to the uh, flight controller, or why wow. they had a <laughs> receiver pack. I don't know how their configuration was or what, but whatever it was, the the motor stopped. And they autoed it down every single time, like a nitro when it ran out of fuel. Oh, I know what they are. Yeah, they're they're glacier packs. Kevin used oh. one of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're Jimmy Deans. Yeah. Jimmy Deans. <laughs> Jimmy Deans. <laughs> and, and I don't know, I, I don't know if if uh, any of you guys remember, but uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a new battery technology that we just haven't seen or either we're just in the dark about as a hobby maybe it's more in the military space i i don't know but it seems to have the same performance as a lipo but with all the benefits that we don't see as far as longevity and uh and, and abuse goes be interesting well, it, to know if he still has them yeah i wonder if they were just graphenes i mean well <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you they weren't graphenes at least not like what we have today mm-hmm. because th- they came down like like they didn't fly scott oh this is true okay yeah i forgot about the lack of thermal no th- no thermal indication that they flew or or, or uh the cells are, were were uh you know being used or anything no puffing no, nothing. And it was a pretty. It seemed like it was a pretty dense battery because, like I said, the they were slightly smaller than your run-of-the-mill 6S 5000 that you saw back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure uh, my my father-in-law actually bought. I think he bought a bunch of them. I think he still has some that he never even soldered ends on. Well, really, you still got yeah. them? Yeah. Who I'm pretty sure from? he still has them. I'll pay double. I I have no idea. <laughs> well, I don't know where they came from. Well, if you could get a picture of that battery without 
the solder joint or whatever on that 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 would be awesome. I'd love to see it because it, who knows? Maybe they're the same batteries. Who knows? Yeah, the only thing I know is these ones. I know were silver for sure. Um, I'll have to see. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll see if I can get a a picture of one. Awesome. Well, if the Russians were involved, it probably has plutonium in them. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yep. That's all I had. Yeah. Thank you very right. much, Paul. I'm sorry. Yeah. The... Time's over. <laughs> yeah. Good <laughs> chat. Now we can go back to Nitro. Yeah. Nice. 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 Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Paul, thank you so much for coming on, man. We certainly do appreciate, it, especially being that it was absolutely last minute. Uh, but we can't thank you enough for coming on. No, I um, appreciate you guys having me on, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. And we hope to, I hope to see you soon. That'd be awesome if you're going to come yeah. to that event. That'd be great to meet I, you. I, I, I'm planning on going. Okay. Uh, so if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? Sure, they could uh, They could contact me uh, through my uh, Facebook account. All right, sounds good. Well, again, thank you very much for coming on, man. We appreciate it, and uh, yeah, we we'll hope to see you soon, man. Awesome. Well, you guys right. take care, and uh, hopefully back soon. Yeah, sounds good. Take awesome. care, sir. See you, right. Paul. Thanks, Paul. See you, Paul. Bye. 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 Hmm? Well, there you That's have it. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. A lot of information there. I'm actually pretty excited about this one because I get to listen back to it and and try and soak up and learn some stuff. So, pretty neat. Pretty neat. I feel like we're leaving with more homework to do. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we got homework assignments. (laughs) Well, now I'm kind of curious about the whole PWM thing. Like, I kind of want to mess with some of those those numbers and see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to go play around a little bit more because I'm... Yeah. There were some things that I had heard through, you know, general discussion with people, manufacturers and stuff that stated one thing and, you know, chat with Paul opened up a whole other avenue of questions that I have about this stuff. So, sure. Yeah. yeah. I got now I definitely got some work to do. <laughs> nice. You get you guys go do that. I'm going to go fill my nitro tank. All right. <laughs> Fair. I did want to say how cool it was though. Like before the show, we literally just called him on the phone just to ask him one question, and then sprung this whole episode on him and said, "Hey, yeah. you want to be on a podcast?" And he absolutely <laughs> said, "Let's go." So yeah. thanks, Paul. Yeah, Big time. Thank you very much. All right. Well, if anyone wanted to get in touch with us, uh, of course they could email us at theheliheadsshow at gmail dot com. If you have questions, you want to be an average Joe, show ideas, or just tell us how we're doing, we certainly would love to hear from you. So uh, give us an email. Mike, what else uh, can people do to follow us? They can follow us by liking our Facebook page and subscribing to our Podbean channel and on iTunes. Yeah, and you could drop us a, a message there as well, a comment. Yep, yep. Very cool. So I think one of the last times we didn't do this part, so we got to do it this time. But uh, let's recognize some podcasters. And, uh, Mike, who we got there first? Uh, first up, we have Freefall RC Podcast. And they are a heli and airplane uh, centric podcast. Nice. They also like to dabble in the occasional 3D printing, movie reviews, and movie quotes. <laughs> Perfect. 
Gucci, who we got? We got Telerotor Podcast. Uh, it's very heli focused and it's very technical. So, um, yeah, they're probably going to give us some comments regarding our uh, episode now, but they're definitely uh, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the technical side of our heli hobby. Sure. I never knew that I could learn so much about crimpers. Honest <laughs> truth. Honest truth. <laughs> Do you they even have one? Going in so deep that I was like, yeah, that's a good question, actually. I have crimpers for like RJ45, but <laughs> I, I literally for what we do, no, I, I don't think I do. Um, but the different types with square versus, uh, it's just, yeah, kind of mind-blowing. I didn't realize that there was that much. And um, the one thing that kind of threw me, too, is <laughs> uh, DePaulo said, he goes, yeah, he goes, you don't go and crimp and then all of a sudden follow up with solder. And I was like, why not? And right as soon as I said that, he was like, because here's why not. <laughs> he sort of dove into, you know, why you don't want to do that. But it was really funny. Uh, but, uh, I, yeah, it was pretty interesting. I was kind of shocked by the whole thing because, uh, you know, you think just, you know, crimpers like, can you really make a podcast about that? But they sure as hell did. And there's a lot to it. So pretty crimping neat. Easy. That crimping ain't easy. Nice. <laughs> Big crimping. Oh gosh. <laughs> All right. Who's next, Scott? Uh, next we got BK podcast with Bert and Kyle shamelessly plugging SAB. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Of course, after that, we got Skids Up, who is uh, Helly's, uh, predominantly Helly's. I don't think they really discuss too much more. But uh, Wait, isn't know, it Skids uh, Up in the Raw now? Yeah, Skids Up Raw, right? Yeah. Monday Night Raw. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of Raw, Scott, dude, where are you? Scott Lower. Man, you know? I mean, you're leaving those guys hanging, bro. You got to get with it. Mm hmm. So. I know you love this next one, Scott. Hit it. Oh, we got Inverted Down Under. Yes. <laughs> uh, Australian podcast. Uh, everything's upside down. you got to turn your phone inverted if you want to listen to it. Mm, perfect. That's pretty smart. <laughs> pretty smart, Scott. Very smart. Yeah. Gee, almost <laughs> as smart as Jeff. <laughs> uh, Mike, who's next? Uh, Houdini RC Heli Podcast. Yeah. They're the new kids on the block. Yeah. And they are a heli-focused podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, been putting out some pretty consistent stuff, man, so it's yeah. been it's been good. Keep it up. I like how he gives us little, like, updates on, you know, how Chapter 7's coming or Chapter 6 is coming and yeah, stuff he's like got that. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's awesome. So, um... After that, we got RC Roundtable, who are predominantly airplane-centric. If you're into that kind of stuff, cool. You can get all your airplane stuff there. But uh, moving on, we have the Archived Podcasts. And uh, because I'm old, uh, there's rctodayshow.com. And uh, they cover a broad range of things, too. It was like airplane, heli, and sometimes cars and all kinds of stuff. So, um, But uh, rctodayshow.com. And, uh, Mike, who else we got on Archive? Uh, we have RCHN 2.0. These are the godfathers of the heli podcasting world. Um, their stuff is still available on iTunes, so make sure you guys go and give them a listen. Even though they're a little bit, uh, they're starting to get dated. Mm. 
Uh, but the information in there is still definitely current, and it's pretty much um, even the older episodes are, are still yeah some of still it's good relevant. to listen to for today. Yeah. Yep. yep. Scott, who's your buddies over there? I mean, we haven't heard anything. What's going on? I don't know what's up with those guys. The RC Heli Hooligans, man. Yeah. Walt and Ed, they, uh, they fell off the face of the flat earth. Oh, four episodes, man. That's all we need. Yep. They're, they're, oh. Can they catch up? Did they do any in 2019? <laughs> they did, didn't they? Uh, early on, I think. Right. right. Yeah. So they have until, yeah, yeah. what, the end of the year before. They have to do four episodes, basically, in the month of December. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I would blame it on COVID. I'll be like, just COVID nineteen. That's the reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was last year? COVID eighteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, technically, it was well. I guess it was still COVID nineteen. Yeah. Right. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. I think it's dated by the year prior, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right. Well, let's let's get to more interesting video personalities. Yeah. We got some people for that. We got some some shows, some YouTube channels. Hmm. Mike, if you wanted to pleasure your, your eyeballs, how would you do that? If I wanted to pleasure my eyeballs, mm, it's been a while since I've been asked this. <laughs> so give me a brief moment while I gather my thoughts here. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I do believe there's a, a gentleman who has a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And his name is Billy Annie. Billy Annie? I thought it was Philly Ann. Ann. Billy Philly Ann. Ann. Philly Ann. Yeah. Philly Ann. Bill Ann. Yeah, that's it. Bill Ann. <laughs> Bill Ann YouTube channel. That's where you go. The best place to pleasure your eyeballs. Mm. The best eyeball pleasuring ever. <laughs> it's the greatest. It's the best. <laughs> Worth every penny. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, so... You know, Go ahead, Dan. So, okay, so we got Bill on YouTube channel, but I heard that he's he's deleting some new channels. He's adding some new YouTube channels. What what do we have there, Kevin? Well, you know, sometimes I get a little hungry late at night, mm. sitting there on the couch thinking to myself, mm, Eric Shue talking about them double stuffed peanut butter cookies. Mm-mm-mm. I'm like, damn, I don't have any of those, so I got to get in the kitchen and cook something. So I'm going to hit up late night cooking with Bill Ann, too. You know what I mean? Ooh, wee. Yeah. That's the most yep. delicious thing ever to caress your cornea. Mm. Yep. Love mm. that. Nothing worse than getting in that kitchen and going, oh, how do I make these again? Yeah. <laughs> got to run your do I microwave this popcorn for? <laughs> uh, you press the button that says popcorn. I don't Do I have butter that. it before or after? <laughs> during. Always during. Some salt? Oh, man. Salt on there? Yeah. But, you know, I, I heard he's really getting, he's expanding his, um, you know, uh, ball of knowledge, if you want to oh. call that. So, right. B- Bill and 3, give me that one, uh, Skids. So, Bill and 3 is a hybrid channel, and <laughs> it's actually. <laughs> Bill Ann and Kevin Teschner doing 3D printing together. Mm, together at the so, same time? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really? So two guys, they sit on the hot one plate printer? Together. Two guys, 3D one printer. Printing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. We went there. Yep. And then let's go next, Mike. Bill Ann 4. 
Bill and Four, I believe that is the channel. Um, fun with tanks. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's fun with tanks. And can you top that off with anything else? Like Bill and well, Five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess you can. He just keeps one upping mm. himself. Yes. Mm. Yep. Yep. You, you can know. get under the hood with Bill and. <laughs> Ooh. Yep. Yep. You know, it's hard times. You gotta have you gotta you have to have multiple streams of revenue. So you know, okay. he's under kicking it kicking it with Steve doing the under the hood stuff. <laughs> yep, under oh. the bonnet. Isn't yep. that how they say it on the other side of the pond? That's right. All right. And of course, so what, you know, everybody's gotta smell nice every now and ooh, again. So Okay. You know. Go ahead, Dan. What's what's the next one? What about if you know, like if you you know, you've been, we've been cooked up in the house, right? And we wanna do some outdoor activities. That's right. Does does he have something for us for outdoors? Mm. I bet you he does. He does. So. Yep. Mm. Yep. It's his it's his camping channel. So it's you know Bill and the Bear Essentials. Mm. <laughs> okay. How neat is that? <laughs> Can't believe it. <laughs> now let's say so before you were you were cooped up, right? Yeah. You're sitting around. Nothing to do, and then all of a sudden you just get this urge to want to learn how to play an instrument. Mm. Right? Well, it's got to yeah. be a special instrument, right? Yeah, what kind? Right. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to be a pianist. A pianist. Uh, a pianist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, Those are the most. To that. Yes. So that that's the last one. I think that that tops it off. Is Bill and no. Seven? Right? No. 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 Okay. This is hot off the press. Oh, okay. Ooh, I like that. Hot off the press. So Bill Ann has just created a new channel, Bill Ann 8. Ooh, okay. And it is shredding with the Fender Strats with Bill Ann. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How neat is that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do we need to go? Do we keep going? Or uh, this is it? Mm. Well, I mean, that was as of a couple hours ago. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, that's as fresh as it gets. He might. I mean, I think he actually, to be honest with you, because the way he described it in his description, I think he went looting. Apparently, he got that thing for a steal. Mm. And uh, you know, everything sounds better. You know, it's when it's been stolen, right? So, I think he's <laughs> kicking off a new music channel. <laughs> oh. yeah. Or maybe next episode we'll hear about looting with Bill Ann. Oh, nice. With his new Air Jordan. How Jordans. to get them bargains. <laughs> yeah. About that. It's weird. Every time he posts a picture, he creates a YouTube channel about it. He's he's a hard worker, man. He is. It's I mean, when you get up. like 15, 20 subscribers per channel, if you up the number of channels, you get a lot That's of right. subscribers. It's just true. Accuracy through volume. Right. Mm. He's got to figure it out, boys. I mean... <laughs> Between that and podcasts, I mean, we we're covered for sure. So, yeah, we, we have a whole podcast on Bill and channels. We had twenty two episodes to try and get it right. We're still trying, right? <laughs> well, we do have a couple more, and uh, the first lady learn how to fly with Simone Zunter. So, if you want to jump on over to her channel, and uh, she'll teach you some cool stuff. Um, and then, of course, we've got one more there. Shameless plug. 
Go ahead with it, Mike. Uh, RC Speed Racer. No mm. spaces. No spaces. One word. That is our buddy Bob Heaster. He has his channel up. He takes to he uh, brings his camera out to the events and stuff and tries to get some event coverage. So um, he's got some good videos on there. Some uh, pretty interesting stuff from when his kids were still in the game. So if you haven't went over and checked those out, give him a uh, give him a look. Have you noticed that? It's taken him a long time to get those videos out of the podcast challenge, the, the flying at uh, RCHO. I did. Mm. Saving the best one for last, I guess. He's building up suspense. Yeah. <laughs> no, but very cool. Thank you for doing that, Bob. So, yep. Yeah. All right, we haven't done this in a while either, so we might as well go ahead and cover it. Um, it looks like we're we're winding down here, getting close to the halfway point of the year so uh what uh fun flies do we have left or what seems to be i mean i think they're still going so definitely yeah. the next one is sure go ahead let, let, let's uh you know talk about the most important one number one is going to be the one that you and uh scott are going to attend because you're going to compete mm. The F3C, F3N competition in Goldsboro, North Carolina, June 26th through the 28th. Right. And you got a little bit of info on that one, didn't you? So it's going to be a Friday practice competition is on Saturday, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep, Mm. sir. Better not use your crimpers wrong while you're down there. (laughs) (laughs) We'll set you straight. Deduct. Two points minus. Yep. While I know I will have a good time while I'm there, I'm a little sad that uh, none of us will be going to the Dragonfly. Well, there might be an issue. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, all of Team A-Main is going to the Dragonfly. Mm, and I've Scott, been, though. I have been asked to attend. Asked is mm. not told. I didn't get told to attend, but I got asked to attend. Mm. And uh, I might be lending my spare room to some A-Main team pilots and then possibly driving them over there. We don't know. So there's the possibility that I will go to Dragonfly on Friday and then drive to Goldsboro for Saturday, but I'm kind of bummed I'd miss practice. Oh, so much work. It is so, so much work. So I'm, I don't know what to do yet. I haven't decided. I don't know if maybe I just try and do Nats or something, or maybe I can cop out and blame it on COVID. <laughs> I got a solution for you. What's that? Drop them off at the Dragonfly, and then drive your happy ass up to the Ohio Heli Throwdown. <laughs> happy ass, I what? like it. That's great. Yep. Mm-hmm. That way I can disappoint everybody and you. Yeah. Like poor flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we uh we're still we're still going. I got a little bit of news on it. So our club has come to the decision that. We are not going to be supplying food um, due to, like, health regulation stuff that's going on in our state at the moment. uh, We are also not going to be doing a raffle this year at all because we don't feel that it's right to take from companies that are struggling right now. So um, we're going to just scratch the raffle. So basically, we're just going to have a place to come and fly. Um, there is restaurants and stuff that are close by. 
obviously we can go get some dinner. We are the state is open to sit down, and get dinner, stuff like that. Um, so that's where that stands as of right now. We are still going, and everything is full steam ahead. So, oh, cool. Yep. Very good. Glad you guys are going to keep it going. Yeah. Um, Daniel, what do we got for the next one there? Well, let's go to the West Coast. Let's do I it. Mean, you know, we're all, you know, East Coast centric. Let's go to the West Coast to the Hellies at Cholas, which is June 26th through the 28th also, and it's in San Diego. Yeah. So check those guys out. I'm sure they have a flyer. If you absolutely cannot find any information on that uh, by looking at Only Find Helly's events list, just give us a quick email and we'll find all the information that you need to attend that on the West Coast if you want to do that. That's awesome. And the biggie of the year. Mike, what do we got? Uh, Urcha 2020. Mm. August 5th through the 9th. This is the 31st anniversary. Wow. Ooh, Crazy. I didn't know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. That's a long time. And I think time. we all are trying to make that one right in one shape or form. Maybe not the whole week, but a couple, you know, like myself and maybe Scott will only be there for a couple of days. Right, Scott? Yes. Yeah. If you bail on me in this competition, you will not <laughs> bail on me at Urcha. I don't know, man. I'm not asking. I'm telling. Oh, oh. I don't know. I'm telling you, I got a new job, and I have no idea what my vacation schedule is like, well, if any. Uh, that's Send me a phone number. We'll take care of it. Okay. I'll, pre- I'll pretend I'm your dad. I'll say, Scott's oh my sick. God, Jesus. He can't come to work. <laughs> that's going to uh, go down like a lead balloon. So we didn't realize your dad is like 30 years old, and yeah. really, you know, was trying to He's get to our work. He's my dad uncle at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we're from the South. <laughs> Didn't you say your dad was Scottish? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, there's a problem where he loves scotch. Oh. oh. <laughs> yep. See? All it, right. It'd be believable. Like, aye! Scott's <laughs> not coming in, aye! <laughs> he, he's no coming doon, okay? <laughs> he's got a wee fever. He, he can't get out of bed, and he's no coming down to work, okay? Just deal with him without it. You can work without him. That's right. <laughs> It'll be back on Monday. <laughs> well, just, just get your dad to do to call your job. It'll be okay. Yeah. All right. I'll have my daddy call me out sick, and then I'll come to Urcha. How's that there sound? There you go. Okay. So, now you're so getting So, after we get over Urcha, the, the Urcha hangover, right? What's next? Urcha. Race City Rotor Fest. Ooh. What? Say what? What? You guys going to race? Yeah, well, it's in Race City, USA, Mooresville, North Carolina, so it's Race City Rotorfest. Mmm. Yeah. I like to go fast. And then there's actually one. I'm trying to find it right now. I should know this because I set the stupid thing up. Before the mowdown, right? No. Uh, the, it's before the mowdown, yeah. It's called the Queen City Heli Throwdown. Yeah. And it's in, uh, in Charlotte as well, Charlotte, North Carolina, a little bit south of the... Uh, Race City one, um, and it's September 11th through the 12th. Okay. Very cool. Yep. Man, the East Coast is popping, man. <laughs> where's the, where's the West Coast at? I mean, there's a reason why like people from the West Coast are like, man, it just sounds like the East Coast has just got all sorts of fun flies. I mean, heck, even cold. Move out here. Yeah. 
so let, let, let's uh, get get to the last one. So if you can't attend any of those that we just talked about, where what is an event that you absolutely have to go to? Uh, Mow down. <laughs> so that's uh, yep. yeah, September twenty fourth to the twenty seventh. That's right. And it's in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Shaggy Town. Shaggy, Shaggy Town. town. <laughs> <laughs> Shaggy Town. <sighs> so that's uh, you know, it's I don't think we've never been right, Kevin, to the Mow down. What? what? Have not yeah. done Mow down. We've done sprinkling oh, twice. Yeah. 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 My, I, I, I like the mow down more than the spring fling, um, hmm. just because it's a little bit more laid back. It's got a little bit more of a kind of chill feel to it. Nice. But the spring fling's still a hell of a time. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely it's a, good a good time. Yep. All right. Well, moving right along. Uh, how about some parting words? Gucci, hit it. Hashtag sellout all in. <laughs> I want, yep. And then I have my favorite, which is hashtag 50 size nitro 2020. Yes. Ah, all right, Mike. Yard sale, hit it. Hashtag get your ass out and fly. Never gets old. Yep. We're going to switch this next one up a little bit. Hashtag sold all my SABs. <laughs> New leaf. Yep. Oh, jeez, that's an old leaf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we can't, af- can't forget Equipo Esfinter Socio. 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 <laughs> mm. Scott, what you got? We have hashtag Nitro 2020.75. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> We're graduating. Nice. <laughs> I'm getting excited now. <laughs> I know. Hashtag share the fun. And hashtag burners. <clears throat> you know, Love it. <laughs> let's just. So he's back to Nitro. That's what? cool. I appreciate uh, that. But <laughs> I'm just going to wait until winter when he's like dying to have a gasser. <laughs> to, to guess, or I'll be like, hey, dude, I got one for sale for you. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, you guys. Oh, I got a new one. Sweet. Uh, we got from our boy K-Dub, send it till you end it. And, of course, I've got hashtag pop them breakers. Our classic too old for hold. And if you can't find it at BK, then eBay for heli parts, baby. Hashtag. And somebody's typing something else. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I got one more. Fresh Wheat lifter. <laughs> Wheat lifter. <laughs> you got to say that, Kevin. Let's just get really quiet and listen to Kevin. Okay, you ready? Ready. Oh, oh, it just keeps going. <laughs> Hang tight, folks. We're we're doing shit on the fly here. Uh, I think the next one it means to say fly bar midlife crisis. Mm. Is that what it means? Yep. Okay. 
Another one. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Man, you got a lot of them this episode. <laughs> Hashtag writing solo. <laughs> and I got one left for... Oh, God, here comes another one. <laughs> Hashtag it is after midnight. That is for sure. <laughs> Sloppy in the rear. <laughs> oh, no. The funny thing was is I was going to say that one, so thank you very much. Hashtag sloppy in the rear, as oh, always. Thank you very much for listening. It's been episode 22 with Paul Andrioli, the ravioli. Thanks for coming on. Yes. We'll catch you guys next time. <laughs> See ya. Laters. <laughs> Sorry for wasting two hours of your life. <laughs> <laughs> two hours. I don't know how long this is. Sloppy in the rear. It's long. <laughs> <laughs>